I'll speak to you guys later. I'm going to meet myself. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. She's going to meet herself. <laughs> She's going up like a mountain or something. Uh, Mute. Oh, oh, okay. Mute is one of the operators in Rainbow Six. Hmm. Oh, man, we should do an episode about games that came out in 2015. He has jamming devices. German. Anyway. German. We don't have a bumper for this, but I'm sure I can salvage one from the many bumpers we had for the last one. We, yeah, we had that one where we were talking about the thing. We had like five. Yeah. Do you remember when we were talking about something? We were talking about something, definitely. Yeah. It was definitely something. It was really good. Something really good. And Don't inter- try and manufacture a bumper. I'm not. I'm, no, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> cool. I was honestly trying to stall for time whilst I remembered what it was, and I couldn't remember what it was. Oh, I was definitely, <laughs> trying, to <laughs> I was, I was definitely trying to manufacture oh, a I was just, I was just caught in an endless loop of waffle. And welcome to World 1 Stage 1. I'm Simon, and joining me as ever are Irish. Hello. Jack. Movie magic. And Rob. Watcher. I sound much better this time. You do. You sound much better. It's almost like you know, the, the difference in voice quality would imply that these episodes were recorded at very different times rather than Indeed. on different computers. <laughs> Wait, no, it, it would imply both of those things. I mean, we don't record all of our episodes at the same time, because that is a that is a time-space physical pos- impossibility. I, I said very different times. This is oh, only a okay. slightly different time. Not the same time. Not the same time. That That's would be mental. weird. But man, I we could do so many more episodes if we could do that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> So yes, uh, having talked about the games of 2015, this is now the episode precisely designed to annoy the people who think we talk about going to the cinema too much. <laughs> Does this people exist? Oh yes. Really? Oh yeah. Why, I, you know, I who? I haven't heard any feedback about this I haven't show. heard any feedback about this show ever. It's all on the Twitter feed. It's like we're screaming into an empty canyon. It is a little bit. Please get in touch. Please get in touch. Like, on something other than Twitter. Because <laughs> only I see that. Yeah, we have a Tumblr. We have I a mean, Facebook you, page. You could look at the Twitter, but you don't. So you guys have a Facebook page. I'm still not fucking on it. <laughs> That's true. Sons of bitches, you're man. Still in, you're still in your hazing period. <laughs> Twenty sixteen, like year and a half. Shut up, Pledge. Twenty sixteen okay. will be the year we get you on the header of the Facebook page. But that I'm does so give us twelve months to work with. So many ways. <laughs> bring in Rob. Bring in. Bring <laughs> the fold finally. <laughs> Validation. <laughs> I even have a version of that Facebook header with and Rob scrawled in really shitty MS Paint spray paint on it. Um, a bit. And I've not put it up there. That's beautiful. Uh, precisely because of the last time we had this conversation. So maybe I'll actually post that. Yeah. All right. But not now. Uh, now we need to talk about films. 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 Now, I don't really have any bad films of 2015 to talk about because I don't go and watch bad films. Um, and I've been lucky that I've liked all of the films I've seen. Although I have to admit, one of the films on my list does have a question mark next to it. 
Ah, so you've got a similar thing to me. I mean, I'm going to show Rob my, my list here. Yeah, it, it's sort of like, it's your wiggly face, is my yeah. question mark. I have a list of all the films I saw this year, and some films I didn't see, but I feel like we should talk about. And the ones I liked, I've put a smiley face next to. Mm-hmm. And the ones I didn't like, I've put a frowny face next to. And the ones where I'm like, I don't know if I liked that or not, have a squiggly face next to. And I realise I may have fucked up at some point, because one of the films has a squiggly face next to it, but I put in brackets next to it, honourable mention. <laughs> but I don't know if that's supposed to be an honourable mention for good films or bad films. Jack, this looks, like, <laughs> this looks like a hit list you drew up when you were drunk on lighter fluid. It's fucking weird. There, there, are, there are faces, like you said, and there are numbers next to the faces. Like, it's a weird, intricate code. So to explain the numbers, the numbers were originally my ranking of which films were placed in which part of the list. So like, right. It's like fifth best or third worst or whatever okay but they've changed since then so now the numbers are essentially meaningless <laughs> so what i have is a name a smiley face and a completely pointless number or the word hon yeah i saw that hon 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 honorable oh i see honorable mention honorable ah honorable mention. See, it's confusing when you see fantastic four smart uh, sorry sad face five it's gonna be on there go on yeah Okay, well, I guess as you have a list... Simon, do you have a list? I do have a list. I don't have a list. Irish, do you have a list? I do not. Probably should start with someone with a list. (laughs) (laughs) Jack or Simon, go. Well, do we want want to start with, like, worst films of 2015 or best films of 2015? I think we do it like the last episode and sort of mix it up a bit. It makes no sense. Let's get the bad stuff out of the way. Yeah, let's get the bad taste out of our mouths, shall we? Okay. And then we'll build up to finishing with how good Mad Max was. (laughs) (laughs) Spoilers! Obviously. Come on, man. All right. Yeah, that's like spoiling that the good guys are going to win. Should we we do... Actually, should we do like the first bit of talking about films that I know none of us have seen, but we should probably still talk about because they came out this year and deserve to be talked about. Gone. If nothing else. Okay. Good start. Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, fuck that shit. (laughs) Why does that deserve to be talked about? I feel like it was fairly, I mean... Damaging. I say damaging, but also it was, you know, a pile of shit from a pile of shit book. But Mm -hmm. still, it was... um, Oh, what's the word? It was a news story. It was a a big thing in film at the time. Yeah. Wasn't that the the, the quickest selling A-scene rated or R-rated, whatever it was? For a while, yeah, but that's the only thing that, that about it really—that it was the quickest selling. Like it was like from like the best-selling book. It was all about money. It wasn't anything about content, was it? Mm, true. I just feel like the it, content it, itself. No, no, no is... I agree. Like it, it, it was. It is definitely a talking point in the sense that you know, does it deserve that? Which yeah. obviously the answer is no. I mean, <laughs> well, the content it doesn't, itself it doesn't really need to be talked about because everyone listening knows about Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, 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 yeah. And in my opinion, the actual content. All, well, no, not almost. Frankly, dangerously misrepresents an entire subculture. That's what I mean by like, damaging. It's totally yeah, damaging. Absolutely. That is not something that is easy to talk about, which is part of its success, is that people were seeing this as a an easy private way to indulge an interest that they didn't feel they could broadly express. But it's yeah. done so in a way that glorifies genuinely abusive, genuinely harmful personality types. And makes them look glamorous. It's it's not just trash, it's dangerous trash. It's the worst kind. Yeah. But it's, it's idiocy, essentially. It's a complete misunderstanding and misrepresentation 
of a subject matter gone awry to the point that this amount of money was made off it. And if if you have an interest in that sort of thing, just go and get Secretary. It's a much better movie. <laughs> it's a great you know, movie. I haven't seen that. And I, really oh, I think you'd really like it. It's, it's very witty. I have a very witty. Be, film. I have a feeling we're going to be talking about James Spader at some point. I was going to say James Spader alone sells it. Like, oh man! Whoa. If we're talking about the bad things, then we'll be talking about James Spader fairly quickly. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. bless. Absolutely. Um, right. And also another film that I feel like we should talk about because not necessarily everyone who listens to the show will know about this one. Simon Pan. <laughs> Because I'm sure it passed a lot of people by, and a lot of people completely were... Passed me by, I didn't yeah. realise it had come out until you mentioned it on another episode, I think, and we didn't right. talk about it then either. We talk about Pan, Pan got panned and should have been. <laughs> yeah, it got exactly everything that it was It was born for a headline, really, wasn't it? Yeah, oh yeah, it really was. It's, <laughs> it's awful. Like, I mean, it's not harmful in the way that Fifty Shades is, but it's just bad. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just so bad. It's pretty harmful. Like... In the sense of money that should have been going somewhere didn't. Oh, well, okay. Yeah, good point there. Yes. No. What do you mean? Well, the right, right. You know how? Do you know how the rights for Peter Pan work? Um, not off the top of my head. Okay. Do you explain how so do the right rights Ormond of Street Children's Hospital? Yeah. Uh, what? Sorry. Where right. do I stop? What? Great Sorry. Ormond Street Children's Hospital. Um, they are basically noted as the recipient of the intellectual property. So money made off of the Peter Pan story should go to fund Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital. That's wonderful. And seeing as Pan regarded Peter Pan as being in the public domain, they didn't pay a penny to charity. Oh. Didn't give any of their money to Great Ormond Street Hospital. Wow. They also gave money to a white girl for playing Tiger Lily. There is that aspect as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that's an obvious one. That's but that's because while I while that is obviously a, a, a kind of a, a really underhanded thing. Did they find some kind of loophole where they didn't have to do it? Is that what you mean by... Well, well the, the, the hospital stuff. Yeah. yeah. That they changed... In, is it that they changed enough of the plot that... I think so, yeah. That it like, it's technically it's a prequel, isn't yeah. it? Like, it, it fell yeah. into that trend of all the Disney movies are at the moment of... Uh, of a just... prequel that humanises a villain. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's that. Um, and... In the yeah. same way that, say, last year, Maleficent was not actually... The story of Sleeping Beauty. It was the story of Maleficent. Right. Pan is not the Peter Pan story. Therefore, yeah, we don't need to give any money to Great Ormond Street. Exactly. It's really underhanded and a little bit grotty. Yeah. It's grotty behaviour there. Uh, well done to Disney, though, who were part of... Um, oh, no, that was a completely different film. Never mind. <laughs> Backtrack. Force for change. Uh, it, it almost happened in another film, actually. Disney were involved in a Peter Pan story that also wasn't going to give money to Great Ormond Street, and they pulled out and didn't back it. But it wasn't this film. I thought it was for a wow. moment. It's almost like, yeah, I guess Peter Pan is quite a popular franchise, like popular IP. Um, <laughs> and the other one that I've got on here that like we won't have seen, because I, I keep seeing people talking about going and seeing it, but as far as I'm aware, it's not out yet, and that's Creed. Is it out over here? I know it's out in America. It came out in America. It's, it's out in the States. Yeah. Um, it, so people have gone and seen it. Uh, I've seen a trailer for it. And I love the trailer. I yeah, love the, yeah, I love the trailer. Love the I, I am going to see this movie. Yo, absolutely. It it's, looks phenomenal. Well, from the moment I heard that um, Apollo Creed's son Adonis. is Adonis Creed. Well, he's, he's not, is he? He's, uh, well, he's Donnie. Yeah, Adonis he's Johnson. 
Adonis yeah. Johnston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, but like, his and when son, I saw that, when I saw that in the, in the IMDb thing, I was like, oh, but I love the name Adonis Creed. It's really cool. And then seeing the trailer, and it's the whole, I'm not, I'm not Apollo Creed. I'm not like at the level where I can use his name. I can't mm. being told it's your name. It's your inheritance. Use it. And the gloves and the shorts and, and, and the whole like rivalry thing of you ain't Creed. All yeah. that stuff. It's like, yeah. oh my God, I love the look of this film. And it's, it, yeah, like, uh, and obviously it gives him something to build to as a character. Also him trying to get out of the shadow of his father. Yeah. And also so, and I kind of just, because obviously th- this, um, this year, like a lot of years previous, have been saturated with uh, franchise films. Yeah. But this is one of the few that has actually managed to reboot a franchise, I think, in a very clever and valid way. It feels like, based on the trailer, it looks like Rocky 1. And yeah. if, if you are only sort of aware of Rocky through pop culture things, like you only are aware of it through, say, montages and running on the beach. Yeah, and getting it. Yeah, yeah, like... Um... It's Rocky 1. <laughs> Rocky 1 is an incredibly clever film is. about the struggles of like working class Americans in late 70s yes. Philadelphia. It's yeah. deep, it's really awkward and quite mm-hmm. in like a good way, in like a really believable, odd yeah. little slice of life movie that just happens to be yeah. about a boxer. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it, it looks like it's about that. It's, it's about a struggle of a, an ordinary man trying to live up to a legacy that the world seems to keep thinking he's worth, even if he doesn't himself. Yeah. Um, with Rocky as as the role of uh, Burgess Meredith. Yeah. He is now the same age as when. He, yeah. When he uh, yeah. Yeah. Sylvester Stallone is uh-huh. now. Yeah, the same age as Burgess Meredith was when they filmed Rocky. So he's yeah. he's shifted into that role. Yeah. And I mean, it's great that it's not only dealing with, like you say, the struggles of class and all that, but there's a real sense of imposter syndrome here as well. Yeah, that they're looking. At. Yeah, the whole sort of um, he doesn't feel he's good enough for the name. Yeah, even though he's brilliant. <laughs> it's, it, it, and most of the trailer was him getting his ass handed to him as well. Yeah, it's it's, it's a lot like Rocky One, and that's Rocky it. got his ass handed. It's not. Yeah, he's instantly suddenly the best in the world. He's like, no, no, no he's good enough. He's not yes. the best. Mm. He has the potential. Yeah, he deserves the legacy. That. It's, I mean, I, I, lo- I love Rocky IV. Rocky IV, to me, is like one of my favourite movies of all time. Yeah. It's but great. it's fucking stupid. Of course it is. <laughs> yeah. But Some of the best films of all time are stupid, but that will come up this episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> actually, actually, yes, I agree. Um, right, <laughs> so, with that in mind, um, I will do... Tell you what, I'll do my worst movies of the year, I'll do my squiggly faces, and I'll do my best movies of the year. Okay. Okay? Yeah. So, my worst movies of the year, honourable mention. Do I have any worst movies, honourable mentions? Oh, I do, Spectre. <laughs> well, Spectre, as we established in a previous episode, if nothing, is fun to talk about. Yeah. It's wonderful to talk about how liberal James Bond is when it just comes to fucking people up. Um, so, yeah. That yeah. And that is the only manner in which he can be described as a liberal. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, I feel like it should be probably maybe even a squiggly face because it's, like it's not like a bad film so much as it's just sort of a... What did that happen? It's a, it, was a, it was a mess. Like, whoa, what happened there? I, I, yeah. I can't even tell whether it was a bad film because I can't really tell where it ends and begins. It's like, mm. it's like trying to say whether... It, it's like being a complete layman and trying to describe whether like, a cubist piece is a, is a mess or a, a good painting. <laughs> I know what you mean. You look at it and go, I... 
I think it, it's like, it's on my bad list because I honestly, I suppose will come down on that side more than anything else, but it's not bad enough to be on my top five worst films of the year list. Okay. Having said that, my top five worst films of the year list. Go on. Number five. So we're going, we're going up from, <laughs> yeah, from I know. least worst to worst. To worst. worst. Yeah. Okay. Number five. Star Wars, The Force Awakens. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. Just be glad it's number five and not number one. Yeah, it originally was number one. When I first came, I wrote this list as I came out. You're so entitled to your opinion. I was <laughs> I was hurt. Yeah. I have since simmered down. Okay. This may change. It may, after what, I'm going to go back and rewatch it. With Robert yeah, yeah, we are going to go watch it together. Robert, I have a date, so we're going to go and, and, and yeah. rewatch it. The mandate. And it, it may go back up to number one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Uh, or it may switch lists. Absolutely. These, these lists are, you know, a- accurate at the time of reading. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So... But we're not talking about Star Wars yet. Yeah. Number four. Mm-hmm. Age of Ultron. Oh. Now, it's, yeah. It's which is the only one on my list listed as a bad movie. Yeah. It's... It's lower down on the list than I initially thought, because when I was going through it, mm. Age of Ultron had huge goddamn problems. And for more on this, go back to our Ultron episode. Uh, there's, yeah. there's so much to talk about there. We, we, yeah. um, but, In fact, you'll uh, notice that my opinion of it has slipped since that episode. This yeah. is what I was going to actually ask, actually, because in that episode, I mean, while we do, uh, uh, we do admit that it has issues, like we came away saying, well, you know, there, there were some good elements to it. Would you say, would you say that you disagree with that now? Um, um, yeah. No, no, this is why it's lower down on the list. Okay. Because mm. there are still elements to it that I look at and go, actually, it wasn't a saving grace. But mm. there, were, there were points. James I've, I've had a slight Phantom Menace response to it. In that, when um, I went to see it, I was all aboard the Marvel hype train to toot. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, I mean, this year, Ant-Man has been and gone, and I've not bothered with it. No. Um, you know, movies have been announced, I'm not hugely hyped for. Mm-hmm. And that luster is starting to fade because they're putting out three or four movies a year. Yeah. And the more I've sort of ruminated on Ultron, the more I've gone, it's not a good film. Mm. It's not good. Um, it has good set pieces. Yeah, agrees. It has it has James Spader. It has the twins. James Spader, yes. twins are great, right? And that I like. It has it. It tries somewhat to do some character development for certain characters. Unfortunately, it is uh, not great. But it, it tries to do something. It tries to push the plot along. Bless it. You can see the, the cogs working. I guess. Well, it's exactly what I I think before it came out. Like. And again, to use the Star Wars metaphor, because that's the only way my brain functions, apparently. (laughs) No, um, I expected Age of Ultron to very much be an Empire Strikes Back. I wanted everything to go horribly, horribly wrong. And at the end of it, yeah, Tony Stark quit again. Again. There was, you know, know, uh, we had the glory shot of, uh, admittedly, new Avengers, but... You know, Avengers, we don't really know. Um, well, we kind of do, but... Uh, some of them, yeah. Yeah, but we don't know we don't them as well as the team. others, you know. Yeah, exactly, and... Um, um, it, will link yeah. in, it will link in with my number one on the list. See, to me, it's a case of the more that's been written about that movie by its critics, the more I've read things and gone, huh, yeah. Yeah. And for me, the, the nail in the coffin has been uh, the trailers for the upcoming Civil War. Yep. And hmm. it's the moment where... 
you know, Cap says, I'm sorry, he's my friend. And Tony says, so was I. No. And I thought, no, no, Joss Whedon has never written you as friends, ever. He's completely dropped the ball on building that up. Yep. Uh, if, if they'd gone back to uh, Winter Soldier and had him saying that to Natasha, which yes. he, he did build up an entire film's worth of friendship and character development with, and she turned around and gone, but so was I. I would have believed yes. that, and it would have sold it as an emotional moment, but Tony? That would have no. been invested uh, in Black Widow. Yeah, that which would be saying a lot. That would yeah, be saying yeah, yeah. a hell of a lot. I think it's because, let's face it, uh, our Tony is the poster boy. Um, yeah. Has to be up there, front and center. He has to be the bad guy. But the thing is, yeah. they knew. Right, they have an overarching plan. They knew this was coming. Yeah, and Whedon <laughs> writes the ensemble films. Yeah. If he hasn't built up a friendship between them by now, when it's important, that is a really good piece of evidence on the side of the people who argue Whedon writes them as a Whedon ensemble, he isn't writing them as the characters. Yeah. He's not playing by the, the hymn sheet of the rest of the team. Now, would you say that it is um, problematic then that it is the Russo brothers are doing Civil War, isn't it? Russo brothers are doing Civil War, Russo brothers are doing uh, the Avengers next ones three, as well. Yeah. One and two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, would you say then that it is a failing of their part as well, that they, they, they allow that to be in their film? Then? The, the, no, because Civil War is archetypally, you know, it's based loosely on a historic crossover event in Marvel Comics, no, which course, was yeah. Team Stark and um, Team Rogers. And if, yeah. nothing, and if nothing else, I'm sure, if anyone, the Russo brothers would probably find a way to make that believable by the oh, way it happens in the film. I have no doubt. Hopefully. The thing is, like, I, I only ask that as a, as a yeah. point of conversation. I completely agree no, with you. Um, uh, I think that they have a much better handle on how to deal with this universe. Well, yeah. put it this way, as I said, the, the one way they could have saved that line given the characters they're set up right now is to reach back to the last Russo Brothers movie. Yeah, yeah. That's the one that actually true. writes them as characters. Yeah, no, so absolutely. I'm, I'm pretty confident in the Russo brothers being in charge of the ensemble pieces now. They do good stuff. I got my book. <laughs> the list is down. <laughs> the list is down. Right back. But Ultron, yeah, uh, I think I think we might all be in the same boat in that as as far as that's concerned. Yeah, I'd say. like my thing is, it was a bad film. That's why it's on the bad film list. Um, but it had it had moments that made me go, oh, you know, this this was this was good. Some bad less movies so, are worth seeing if you've got nothing better to do. Yeah, less so in the next film. Less so with number three on my list, and there are no redeeming qualities to two or one on my list. I'm really interested now. Please continue. So number three, <laughs> Fantastic Four. Oh, Fan Stick. Yes, Fan Fan Stick. Mm -hmm. The only reason I want to see this movie is to see just how bad it is. It so, is, it is really bad. It is really, really bad. It, like, and as we've discussed, because we've discussed this one as well, haven't we? Um, yeah. uh, I think it's interesting the story behind what happened. Basically, Fantastic is—it's <laughs> on—it's number three on the list because it is such a bad film. But it's not so high up the list because you, if you if you squint and you look past the movie, if you look at it like a magic eye poster, sort of, you can see the little kernel of the movie that. that the little movie that could, yeah. the little movie at the heart of it that was the little movie that clearly couldn't. Yeah, and it, it there was a good film plan there. There was a really good film plan there. Unfortunately, it's it what was, happens when independent filmmaker meets like Hollywood exec. Yeah, and they both just implode upon each other. Like <laughs> the way they start building up everyone's relationship with one another is 
fucking fantastic. Yeah. You you start having, you know, stuff I've not seen in the other Fantastic Four movies before. You've got like Ben Grimm being essentially getting intensely angry at Reed. It's like, it's all your fault I'm like this. Mm. You have uh, you have Doom and Reed having an actual rivalry that isn't just I'm evil, you're good. Mm. Like it's essentially uh, Doom is all about well fuck the military because it, you know we're scientists and throughout all of history our role is to be puppets of the military. We will we will make amazing advances. Mm. They will then be taken by the government and the military to kill people with, and it will happen. It will always happen. And I'm sick of it. And he's, he fucking hates the United States because of its, the way it's treated its scientists throughout the years. Yeah. That's a really strong motivation. It's really strong. And it's uh, believable, the fact yeah. that these scientists would want to uh, outdo each other in terms of just the, their, their work yeah. and how they respect each other in some way as well. I was, I was looking at it going, I really hope it isn't that, you know, the fact that they're dumb kids, is the, because they are really young, you know, they're yeah. like college kids. I hope that's not the reason they go in and do the, the whole thing and go and get the gamma radiation equivalent. Mm-hmm. Um, that is just useful impetuousness. And it's not. It's, it's Doom essentially going, you know, name me the men that put a, man on, uh, put a man on the moon. Most people won't be able to, but they'll tell you Buzz Aldrin, they'll tell you Neil Armstrong. They'll, they'll tell you who went to the moon, yeah. but they won't tell you who got them there. Yeah. No one remembers the scientists, they always remember the astronauts. Mm. No one's going to remember us unless we go first. Yeah. And it's a really good motivation. It's a it's really, really good, really good it's idea. perfect Dr. Zoom. He's not, he's not a cookie-cutter villain in that regard. And then they make him a cookie-cutter villain. And like, mm. well, I'm going to destroy the world and make my own realms. Like, okay, fuck off. But the way he starts off is <laughs> fucking fantastic. I fantastic. Love yeah, fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> but it has problems. Oh, God, it has problems. Like, mainly... They don't say Fantastic Four. They don't say Mr. Fantastic. They don't say the thing. They don't say the. Oh, they, they do at one point say the Human Torch. And they don't, you don't have to say the name of the thing in the thing. Yeah. They don't have to, but if you can't bring yourself to do it because it's too silly, that is making, true. You're making the wrong film. Yeah. Um, and when they do finally get around to teasing that they're going to say it, it sounds stupid as hell because they're tiptoeing around it. It's like, it's the mm. whole net, it's like grasp the nettle thing. Oh, yeah. If you put your foot around it, it's going to be no good. You've got to get in there and just go, Fantastic Four. Yeah. Go. And it's not like that these characters are too cool to say it. Reed Richards is a fucking dweeb in this. Mm. That's where he should be. But that's why it's number three. Okay. There is a good, there's a good <laughs> film buried can, underneath all You can shit. bring yourself to make it four just for the poetry. But there are just <laughs> utterly reprehensible movies as number two and number one. Please. Number two, mm-hmm. Jurassic World. <laughs> Uh, fuck this movie fuck this movie fuck this movie no I think uh, Irish did did you enjoy Jurassic World Irish? I did yeah yeah it's a troubling one isn't it I you know I've had the same thing with Simon with uh, uh, Age of Ultron uh, and that is the Phantom Menace um, paradigm and that is like when I watched it first I was like okay yeah, yeah, it, it, it sort of did its job. It sort of did all right. Its job was, was just dismantling the, the Jurassic <laughs> and then Park. And it, then it sits with me. However, the thing is, I don't think I regard it quite as badly as you do, just because of the hilarity of the fucking ending. Um, spoiler, spoiler, so spoiler. Stupid. Oh, Simon, have you seen it? No, and I don't care. Okay, cool. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Um, 
there is a tag team fight <laughs> between. Uh, oh, I already know this anyway. Oh, okay. Uh, a raptor and a T Rex versus the I Rex. Or yes, they the Indominus Rex. It? Yeah, I call it the Irex. super big. Exactly. The fucking I Rex. And they tag team it. And it's just the madness that escalates to this point of that film. It's just hilarious. So for that point, uh, I, I don't, even though it doesn't mean to be, I enjoy it for that reason. And especially the basically. Don't get me, don't get me, don't- don't get me wrong. It's so dumb. Yeah, it's mental. It is so dumb. But it, right, you know what? You know what? And then they it, fucking nod it to each other at the <laughs> end in respect. They're like, "Thank you. I will return to the wild." It's not. I don't think it's dumb enough. Do not they think. Could, like that bit was so short. They could have ramped that up. They could have gone if they wanted to go really stupid B movie like Rex and Raptor save the world. <laughs> there um, are other ways you could do it. They, they, they could have done that so much better. They could have done it so much more balls to the wall. Well, of course, but that wasn't their intention. That's just what I took. From exactly. What I mean. yeah. It's like it, it's again. It's like the Fantastic Four thing. Like, if you're going to do something stupid, do it. Just they just could have gone full Sharknado with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> But it's utterly. I mean, this 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 is a film that, like this is a film that basically it, it it brought it full circle. It finalized this lock I have, which started with Guardians of the Galaxy, continued through watching the first episode of Parks and Rec, and ended with Jurassic World, which is I fucking hate Chris Pratt. Oh no! See, I adore Chris Pratt, and that's why I don't want to see Jurassic World. And, well, okay, actually, you know what? It's not, I hate Chris Pratt. I don't hate Chris Pratt. He's a nice fellow. I hate every character Chris Pratt has ever played. Even Star-Lord? Especially Star-Lord. <laughs> especially star um, Actually, okay, maybe not. I'd say especially fucking, I think it's Brady is the name of his character. Whatever the fuck, I have no idea. It's played for laughs that he sexually harasses people. He's the hero. <laughs> what? It, it, like the, the the way like uh, his first interaction with um, I can't remember any characters. Name. I think it's Veronica, the the the, the red hair, the main yeah. character. But you certainly can't say that about Andy Dwyer, his character in Parks and Rec. No, his character in Parks in uh, Parks and Rec is just fucking irritating. And again, I've only seen like the first two or three episodes. I though. wildly disagree because I, I, I've watched it, the whole thing. Based and he ends on up as a children's and whatnot, I know he is a different character later on. But based on like the yeah, first he couple of episodes, he he's a fucking scumbag, and I hate him. Yeah. Oh okay. no, that, his arc is that's how he starts, and yeah, by exactly. the end of it, he is a loving, committed children's entertainer. And this is this is why I say based entirely just on those episodes, and like, and oh, he's just and it's the fact that it's the really annoying one is when he turns up towards the end with with her, and basically he turns up. In Jurassic World, still. In Jurassic, this is Jurassic yeah, World. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and the main character shoots a pterodactyl that's harassing these kids. <laughs> harassing these kids, right? Not violently trying she, to claw them to death. It. She just fucking snipes it out of the air. Yeah. She's a she's a scientist. She's not like a she's not a, a hunter or a yeah, soldier. She or, casually you know, just shoots it down. Shoots it down for convenience sake. Right? Yeah. And the kids run over and they're like, "We want to go with you. We want to go with you." And she's like, "Oh, okay." And they go, "Oh, no, no, with him." And I'm like, "The fuck did he do? He hasn't fucking done anything." Yeah, if anything, he's made these guys like better at hunting. Yeah, she's just I mean, they don't know that they don't know him from fucking a hole in the ground. <laughs> but their aunt just turned up and fucking shot a pterodactyl out of the air. Mm. And they go, Oh, we want to go with him. And I'm like Why? Yeah, it's because the children Is it are he has all a of a beard? sudden Yeah, no, it's because the children are all all of a sudden blessed with the knowledge that the audience have. Yeah. It's a very, very cheap I say trick. It's a mistake, really, in yeah. film, isn't it? And and also just all of the mistakes with the whole ah, we bred them like this. I'm like, yeah, but you did that in Jurassic Park one, and it, that was entirely the reason everything went wrong. Ah, that's but, always going to happen in a Jurassic Park. We film, did it though, again. It? Yeah, and it's the same thing we did wrong, 
and now it's a and now it's a big reveal. Like, no, you can't do the same big reveal from the first film. The raptor thing. Uh, no, the the gene splicing thing. Yeah, the part of raptor, right? No, 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 no. The 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 the, the gene splicing thing with like the. the Oh, just with the, the unable, to, unable to control it. Because oh, yeah, it's yeah. Different. I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, did yeah. That with, and they go, oh, we supposed it with cuttlefish and this and this and frogs. I'm like, yeah, frogs, frogs. Seriously, yeah. I, I if I ran Jurassic, World, <laughs> I would be not, hilarious. I would, if you did. I would not let frog DNA within a hundred fucking miles of that pump. <laughs> frogs would be exterminated on. Yeah, exactly. I see hell. a frog. I'm punting it into that fucking ocean. <laughs> Um, yeah, so <laughs> I now want a movie of Jack running Jurassic World, just running around. Yes, it was Jurassic Jurassic World Two. Just me running in gen. The frog hunt. It would be two hours of just like a T Rex eating something in the background, whilst I occasionally run over to a man in a lab coat and just start slapping him, going, "Oh, you fucking idiot! What <laughs> are you think?" Basically, it's a slapstick comedy where everyone on the island is morons, <laughs> and you have to stop all of them from doing stupid shit. I thought we could put scorpion DNA in a T Rex. Why would you think that was a good idea? Ah, it, it's a really big draw for the audiences. No! I'm going to randomly keep holding on to this pig whilst a vicious dinosaur rips it through the fucking bars and fucking throws me over the bed and, and it, you know off what, the bridge. You know what? And it completely fucks itself over because yeah. it basically talks about how, oh, people these days don't want to see new... They don't want to see the dinosaurs. They don't care about the dinosaurs. They want something bigger and bigger and better. Like, you know what? I've got to say, if that whole that principle true. is bollocks because... I know entire aquariums that sell on the fact that they've got one giant octopus that mostly hides. Yeah. Yes. I was sold in the fucking uh, Kayakan uh, Osaka Aquarium because it had a whale shark. Yeah. I fucking love whale sharks. Yeah. But, but you know what? They completely undermine their own point really early in the film because there's the monorail that goes into the park and yeah. you see the park and the, mm-hmm. and the Discovery Center. And, oh my God, all the wonder of the first film. I thought I was going to love this. But you know what the first attraction they show you is? It's not a dinosaur enclosure. It's a petting zoo. Yeah, yeah. And I love the idea of the petting zoo. It's kids riding on little baby brachiosaurs and ankylosaurs. I'm like, no, that's cruelty. You, you, no, it's not cruelty. It's, well, it's, it is. Well, you know what it is. <laughs> you've now, you now cannot sell the idea that people would become bored of dinosaurs because there is the possibility to ride a baby dinosaur in this universe. And the other thing you need to ask How yourself. How does anyone yeah. get anything done? The other thing you need to ask <laughs> yourself is if dinosaurs aren't enough, what next? They're going to start making things. They're going to start like genetically well, mythical creatures into existence. <laughs> so you can pet unicorns and watch dragons and the one, shit. The one thing I would go to that park. So yeah, would I. The one thing that Jesus yeah. does do good in this film is that they basically get to explain away every mistake they've made in terms of the appearance of dinosaurs in every Jurassic Park. Film. Yes, that's is they go. They don't look like dinosaurs would do because we don't just use pure dinosaur DNA. We yes. fill in the gaps with lizards and frogs. And, all that. Yeah. and that's why they look like this, why they don't have feathers. Yeah. Except the ones that did in Jurassic Park 3. <laughs> um, Can I just say, though, that yeah. I think I've just thought of a plot of a film which is just what I just said. Yeah. Jurassic Park. Impossible creatures. creatures movie. Yeah. yeah. How amazing would that be? Fuse a tiger and a lobster and make it 60 feet tall. Oh my god. I'll tell you what's really interesting me, and that's despite how angry Jack is getting at this film, it's number two on the list. Yeah. 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 (laughs) It's pushing itself up into number one, I think. (laughs) So, okay. 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 Basically, what I'm just saying is I think the biggest problem, and again, going back to it, the biggest problem with Jurassic World is in this universe, there's clearly going to be a big economic collapse because everyone is clearly only going to work for money, which they can use to then spend to go to Jurassic World to ride the baby ankylosaurs. <laughs> so we just live, we end up living in this crazy world of hyperinflation where people are pushing money around in wheelbarrows surrounded by dinosaurs. 
<laughs> yeah. Awesome. So, yeah, there's that. Also, what? We gave it cuttlefish DNA and now it can turn invisible. Mm. Yeah. Did, did, you, did you give it the body parts of the cuttlefish that allow it to camouflage? No, we gave it the genes. That's oh. not how genetics works. <laughs> I know that. And I'm thick as shit. <laughs> You're science people. Science peeps. Again, the two hour movie would be slapping people in lack. <laughs> what is that? It, it, it's a lion. Is that lion DNA? Yeah, docking your fucking pay. <laughs> now, fuck up. <laughs> you don't get any holiday this year. Not after that fucking lobster trick. No, thought. give him all the holiday. Make him leave. <laughs> and that's number two. Good. <laughs> fucking hell. In every sense of the word. Okay. I think we already know what the next one's going to be, though, number one. I actually don't know. Because we've, we've traipsed up from the biggest fucking thing, from dinosaurs. The biggest dinosaurs. So what could be bigger and bigger Godzilla. and bigger? No, and no, no. He's talking bigger about the opposite bigger of bigger. And bigger and bigger and tiny. Is it Ant-Man? It's Ant-Man. Fuck Ant-Man. So I've not <laughs> seen Ant-Man, but I don't mind if you want to talk about it. Okay. Because I've Likewise. not seen it. You know what? I have seen Ant-Man and I do mind if we talk about it. Uh, <laughs> the reason this is at number one. <laughs> the reason this is at number one. <laughs> no, oh, I said no. Ultron was a bad film, but it had these moments. It did have those And moments. if nothing else, if we look at the... Uh, I don't want to use this as a point because it's going to come up in an explanation for Star Wars and why I didn't like it. But if we look at um, Ultron in the grand scheme of things, like the, the, the Marvel uh, franchise, yeah. not seeing Ultron is probably going to set you at a slight disadvantage for winter, uh, uh, Civil War. Yes. It sets up a lot of stuff for Civil War. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen Ant-Man, you lose nothing. Yeah. And not only do you lose nothing, but the film itself starts in the stinger. Hmm. Literally, the entirety of the film that is of any, in- any interest hmm. is in the, like, the mid-credit stinger, because there's no after-the-credit stinger. Yeah. Right? The whole film is completely fucking worthless. It's basically going, this guy is now Ant-Man because Michael Douglas said so. And yeah. it's going, he doesn't deserve to be Ant-Man. He is a shit piece. Which is the terrifying thing about the Marvel films, really. And obviously DC are following suit, so I'm not saying that they're exempt from this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll have to see when they actually bring you know, Batman and Superman yeah. out. But um, uh, it's worrying when the only thing that uh, a lot of these things, like Ultron, the only thing that we can value for it is the fact that it progresses the serial nature of it's- these films. To the point that, really, these films no longer have arcs of their own. Yeah. They're literally just, a, just another sentence in a long paragraph. Yeah. If you know Which what is I mean. perfectly I- fitting coming from the world of comic books. I agree, admittedly, but like... But when you're watching a film, certain, certain, uh, not tropes, structural methods of, of, of bringing a story around are helpful. There's, there's a Which weird- is why I'm hopeful, actually, about Civil War, because that is true of Ultron, hugely. Mm. It is not really true of Civil War. Civil War is a film. Yeah. Uh, well, sorry, no, Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier in and of itself. Say, it will be. Uh, yeah. No, uh, exactly Winter Soldier in and of itself is a film with an arc. It's a very Just satisfying film, which is why I think Civil War, coming from those creators, will, it will definitely stand as part of the franchise, but I expect it to have its own arc. 
Yeah. Yes. Um, they so, seem like filmmakers who know how to make a film. Exactly. Which is yeah. weird, because when you look at their fucking track I know. It's I, I don't know, know where they got it. It's yeah. weird that we live in an age where films are being made and you are actually questioning whether people are actually capable of making films. You know what I mean? Like, but I mean, yeah, when I did mean, that happen? It's I mean, always I'm been true. I'm going to start babbling about Winter Soldier again if we carry on. Because, but right, there's a there's a really really good analogy that um, a, a music reviewer called Todd in the Shadows used for Ant-Man. No, no, not for Ant-Man, but just for um, I, th- I think he was reviewing a, like a Chris Brown song at the time, whatever it was, and basically he was saying that right. if you look at music, like a whole lots of musicians have done terrible things, right? Yeah. But if you take someone, say, I don't know, pick a pick a musician like John Lennon. Yeah, did some horrible things. Uh, yes. yeah. Not a nice person. Not a nice person. But we can agree that a world without John Lennon would musically be a very different world. If, if John Lennon had never released a song mm-hmm. or had never joined the Beatles, the world would be a very different place, musically speaking. Mm-hmm. Right. Chris Brown did horrible things. Can you imagine the world would be much different if he had never released a song? I don't, you know, it, it's in much the same way. Ultron is a bad film. But without it, the Marvel franchises, are, it, 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 if you don't go and see it, hmm. if you just ignore it, it's, you know... There's going, going to be a gap when so you come to the next if one. You, if you lose Ant-Man, you don't lose anything. Like, literally nothing happens. Nothing adds to the plot. Yeah. Um, what's his name? Fa- uh, Falcon turns up. That's it. Nice. He's got a cameo. The whole film is literally just uh, uh, Michael Douglas training a douchebag to be Ant-Man. And all the while, the audience, or at least I and me and Rowan, we're just going, okay, but why not Evangeline Lilly? Because she's been here this whole time, and she's clearly better at this. She's training him. Why is she training him? Like, if the teacher can do it, yeah, and she's capable and strong, why doesn't she just do the job? I kind of love that Evangeline Lilly's going to be the wasp, though. because she's. Yeah, but the thing is, I have a problem with that as well. Not with her being the wasp. I have no problem with that at all. What What I have a problem with is Marvel proudly announcing the first of this sort of modern era of superhero films with a named heroine in the title, and that title is Ant-Man and the Wasp. And to release that early, they've pushed back Captain Marvel. Yep. What? The, the, oh my goodness me. But this, like, is, who is literally going to be the keystone female kind of... The mid-credit yeah. mid stinger is literally Michael <laughs> Douglas taking Evangeline Lilly down into the basement and going, oh, oh yeah, God. I built you a new suit, and it's, it's the, uh, like the new Wasp suit. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's the mid-credit stinger. I'm like, so right, that's, that's what, the what Marvel have done in response to this film is ensure that the first of their films with a named female character is the subheading of that film. It must say you got like, you know, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Yeah, and, she's and basically the dark world. It's a thought, really. Like, oh, just, come on. I'm sure, Jesus you know, fucking right. Christ. So That's I'm kind of not happy with Marvel about that one. That's yeah. dreadful. Partly because it's bullshit in the first place, and partly because I'm an enormous Captain Marvel fan, and fuck's sake, guys. Yeah. So, Strike now, DC! This is your chance! So you know what? Get you know that what? Wonder Woman movie out. Yes! And this is, this is why I actually feel fairly justified making Ant-Man number one on my list of bad films. Mm-hmm. It, it, added, it added nothing. It detracted a lot. I mean, 
it detracted a hell of a lot, especially looking at it from a sort of social standpoint of going, okay, women's place in this movie. Oh, fuck, that's bad. Okay. Oh, yeah. uh, racial standpoints in this movie. Oh, fuck, that's bad. But you said Falcon showed up as a cameo. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was just no, no, no. pissing around. <laughs> but um, if you, it, I mean, I'm probably, I'm probably sort of maybe jumping the gun here, but I want to I wanna see if, if anyone wants to go to Google and type in Ant-Man and Latino representation. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. It's a... Mm, mm, what? I mean, admittedly, the main character is a criminal. But he's the only white guy in his, like, family of criminals. Oh, fuck yeah, it out. Sure, yeah. And, oh, the, the... Oh, God, the sort of stereotypical pattern of everyone. everyone. <gasps> oh, my goodness. Like, oh, it's really... I didn't realise really, it was really this bad. Level. Really oh, bad. My, I thought it was just, like, a weak kind of attempt to do a superhero film. Fun fact, if you do, do go to Google and type in Ant-Man Latino representation, the first yep. link is entitled Marvel Studios' first minstrel show. Ooh. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Ooh, they've done them a corker there. Yeah. The second oh. one is Edgar Wright leaves Marvel's Ant-Man over weak Latino representation. Good man. Wow. Okay. Well, he did, he, from the very uh, uh, like get-go, he was like, I have problems with this. Yeah. And um, they didn't budge so he was like I'm going oh wait no it's over weak script but that was part of his problem yeah and it's, yeah it created it's, differences it's oh, probably it's, a whole bunch of things it's very very evident yeah oh my god it's it's quite horrific um I again I suppose we're not going to do an Ant-Man movie so I can mention it but yeah just, just don't bother seriously you don't lose anything and that is a really big mistake that Marvel have made there shall we talk it, about something better should we talk about yes what, good idea should we talk about my squiggly faces okay Squiggly faces. Uh, Macbeth. Yeah. Passed by a lot of people, I think. What didn't you say? It was just... Like, we again, speaking of films that we didn't need. We didn't need, yeah. Macbeth uh, is just a straight adaptation put to the screen. I'll say what I said. I mean, you run the, with, with Shakespeare, you either try something incredibly different and risk it all, or you don't try anything and you just you, do the same thing you that the last either, people did. You either Romeo and Juliet yeah. it. Yeah, yes, it's um, exactly what I mean. What's his name? Baz Luhrmann. Um, Baz Luhrmann. You either Baz Luhrmann it. Yeah. And, you know, love that film or hate it. Mm-hmm. It, it, did, it, it did something very different. There's something miles apart from the And, you know, a lot of people say, well, if you're going to change it, then why not change the script if you're going to update it? I kind of, I actually kind of like working within the limitations of what you've got on the script there. Yeah. And well, that's the challenge. That's if, always if we the just, challenge. If we, just, if we just updated it and made it about, you know, interfamily rivalry and warfare in a modern setting, just West Side Story, you've already got that. Exactly. Look um, at what fucking, they, what happened with, you know, happened with Hamlet. Fucking lions, man. Yeah. <laughs> something different. Um, and again, Hamlet can be updated. I mean, the, the um, Kenneth Branagh Hamlet, which yeah. is, which is updated it. to it's updated but it's updated to like 18th early yeah. 18th century early 19th century yeah that's right yeah. Marx was like okay that's an odd choice mm. but it doesn't detract anything it makes it fresh it makes it different um, the, the, one the of Ham- my favourites is uh, actually Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet yeah there you go yeah and, it, and the way that they use the dialogue in that, the, the, the broadsword make of shot that's the thing I always go to is the broadsword make of shotgun yeah and swords is a make of gun, and it's so uh-huh. cleverly done. You can have all these visual, like almost visual gags, mm. without changing any of the dialogue, and people still understand what it means. Yeah, hand me my broadsword, and then the close-up of broadsword etched in the side of the gun is one yeah. of my favourite moments in that film. And, so and you, it's very clever. Like, if you just read it, the whole um, thumb biting right at the beginning of the, of the play mm-hmm. can be very confusing. Yeah, when you see it at the 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 the, um, the gas station, <laughs> yes. 
with Tybalt and, and all that yeah, and, yeah. and the whole do you buy your thumb meter and the panic look and you go oh you get what it means instantly even if you've never read the play or seen it on stage you get what it means right then and there it is a yeah. great performance from everyone from involved. everyone from um, everyone yeah so Macbeth on sadly, the sadly uh, Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet wasn't released in 2015 <laughs> no it wasn't uh, yeah, my Fassbender's Macbeth was Fassbender's Macbeth there's a lot of people in that actually yeah um, and um, I hear the um, I've forgotten what about names. Lady Macbeth I, everyone raves about her oh um, Mariard Mariard yeah. she, was, she was pretty good actually um, yeah there was a really weird her, her final speech Oh yeah, her yeah. very final speech is actually quite chilling because it's that's a long ass monologue. Yeah, it's her doing her whole. Did I do the right thing? Yeah, her just trying to justify Why did herself. I do it? Yeah, yeah, you know, and all that sort of stuff is done in one long take with the camera just focusing straight on her face as she sits in a in a. In a hut, right? She did it Branner style, right? But the thing is, and I was like, oh, this is quite interesting. What? It, but she's her eyes aren't locked on the camera; they're locked mm. sort of like slightly down and all that, and. The whole thing is just one long take on her. You're like, okay, this is quite impressive. It's quite dramatic. Don't really see what it adds with all this. This is a film, remember? Yeah. (laughs) And then she gets up and walks, and the camera pans back. And there is just this little hooded child figure just sitting, looking at her. And it it doesn't turn its head. The hood doesn't come down. Little kid just looking at her. Ooh. That's it. End of scene. You don't see who it was. You don't see, but she was talking to it. Yeah. And I went, oh, oh, suddenly this like whole ghost thing and this whole idea of, uh, of like potential more storyline going on there between their children that never were mm. and all that and the other. It's like, oh. Well, uh, then that's the great thing you can play with, with Macbeth, really. And we'll, we'll not make this the Shakespeare show. But I mean, <laughs> from, from the, the offset, you have uh, Banquo. Yeah, the ghost. So you have that conceit to play with in the logic of the story, anyway. Yeah. So that's a good use of that, I think. And the final fucking fight is pretty, pretty brutal. Like the whole forest, um, the, the battle or duel between them, the duel between Macduff and Macbeth. Yeah. Also, I was really interested to see because so many different plays, so many different film adaptations have done the the walking of Dunsinane Wood. Yeah. Have done it in different ways, mm-hmm. and the usual classic. Because uh, for those of you who haven't read Macbeth or seen it. Um, basically, Macbeth is is um, Thane of Cordor. He, he is uh, fated to only be killed by a man not of woman born, and only, that is only going to happen when Dunsinane Wood, the, the wood near his castle, right, you know, comes to his walls, comes to his castle. Yeah. So when the wood walks to his castle, a man not of woman born will kill him. And Macbeth is like. Pfft. I've never read a Greek tragedy, so I have no idea how this could possibly go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, and usually what happens in the play is a bunch of Macduff soldiers cut down bits of tree and hold them in front of them yeah. as camouflage and walk towards the castle. Classic. Like, that's not very good camouflage. You're just holding bits of tree. Uh, and then Macduff turns up and goes, I was born by Caesarean section. I was not a woman born. And everyone, mm, you kind of still were. But, you know, okay, fair enough. Um... <laughs> And in this, they still have the Macduff doing that reveal, and essentially Macbeth kind of already had that figured out, and he's just like, yeah, but I've kind of already consigned myself that I'm going to die. But the whole Dunstan Wood reaching it thing is Macduff's troops raise the ground, so they burn the wood, and the ashes, or the embers and everything, just pile up into the air and start raining down on the castle. Uh, and it's like that's nice. Of, and I'm like, that's quite a clever way of doing it. It doesn't look stupid, and it gives the whole final fight scene this really old school Ralph Bakshi style 
uh, red and orange tint to it, mm-hmm. which gives everything a really horrible, nightmarish quality when they're fighting each other. Well, the fact is the that. rest of the film tinted blue? Uh, a lot of it is, but I think it might just be... Yeah. Sh- it's a modern trend, blue and orange tinting. Yeah. Blue and orange yeah. tinting, yeah, yeah, you're right, yeah. yeah. And this whole, like, <laughs> overarching thing of, like, these the dead troops that sort of at the very beginning scene just occasionally turning up to Macbeth, and he's essentially turning around and going, not yet. I'm not ready to be dead yet. Um, so yeah, Macbeth, it, it wasn't a bad film. You know, I, I would suggest going and watching it, especially if you like your, your Shakespeare, but don't expect to see anything new. Okay. Uh, and my other squiggly face <laughs> was um, Legend. The uh, Cray Brothers, the Cray Twins movie. I wish I, I never got to see that. Yeah. yeah, like, it's a squiggly face because it was a really well-made film. It was a really good film, but it's really fucking unpleasant. It's really... Of course, like, yeah. but... It's the craze. Yeah, yeah, come on. <laughs> but that's why it's a squiggly face. It's like, I can't really say, oh, I enjoyed this film because mm, it's not the sort of film you enjoy. It had really, really good moments. Mm. So, having mentioned it in an earlier conversation off mic, uh, Bronson, again... Like it's a really good film, but it's not comfortable subject matter. I, yeah, I need to go and see that. Or, Bronson, rather, Bronson's awesome. I can You'll really enjoy it, yeah. Bronson. Um, but also, if you like Tom Hardy, then you know, watch Legend because it's it's like watching any given TOS episode. If you like Kirk, yeah, you're going to see two Kirks in most episodes, <laughs> and you see two Tom Hardys playing two very very different roles, mm-hmm. and it really plays with the whole who's the monster. Spoiler is both of them. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's really, really fucking uncomfortable in places, and some really, really good acting throughout. Um, I, again, I, I, it's this problem where I like, forget everyone's names except uh, Tom Hardy. Um, I forgot what the girl's name is in it. Uh, Emily, was it Emily Browning? I obviously don't know. She was in Lemony Snicket, was the first thing I remember her being in. <sighs> fucking hell, that's it. She was in um, Sucker Punch. As the main baby doll from Sucker Punch. Oh, fuck. Um, but she's, no. she's fucking fantastic in it. Great. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Legend really good. So, my top five films of the year. Okay. Simon, do you want to do yours? I was going to say. I've been talking for a while. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, now, number five is kind of a... It's a split decision. It's actually a joint. Because I just couldn't decide which one to drop. Fair enough. Because one of them's kind of tenuous because it was a 2014 release, but it didn't come to this country until 2015. I'll accept that. And that is uh, Dear White People. Okay. Is, it's a fairly wonderful film. As a sort of a, I, I think it's a directorial debut, actually, from the writer-director, uh, Justin Simeon, who's won awards as sort of, you know, one-to-watch kind of a thing. And it's, uh, it's quite a small indie film. I think it was uh, crowdsourced. Um, and the, the basic plot is... It's uh, set in this very, very success-is-everything Ivy League school right? Um, that has traditionally had one of the, the houses is the black people's house, and it's very segregated, and now they're trying to mix it up a little bit. So people are getting housed in different houses, and there's, it's very reflective of a wave of things that were happening and are happening in American universities of, you know, building racial tensions on campus. And the film is largely split between um, various characters of colour, biracial, black, um, what have you, and their experiences of this school, which is a very white, very white privilege-driven school. 
And on the other hand, you have the the white satire group, the, the real sort of elitist. It's not quite the Bones Club of Yale, but it's, it's not far off. And uh. they're the sort of, um, they have a big party every year, which is themed and funny, and they've decided to get back at this, well, not just to get back at Sam, who runs a show on the college radio show called Dear White People, which is satirically poking fun at white people tropes from her point of view. Mm-hmm. They decide maybe a blackface theme would be hilarious for their party. Oh dear. And, I mean, that's sort of the, the events of the film, but it's not about that. It is very much about people's experiences of their own identity versus their um, forced identity whether that's a guy whose father is a lawyer and is pushing him to be the same kind of elite academic success whereas actually he wants to be a comedy writer and get stoned a lot but he has that public face whether it's a gay black man which is a whole different experience to being a gay man or a black man uh, whether it is Sam dealing with her uh, biracial um, background and the tension that creates when you're split between two sides. It's very individual stories and it's just very touchingly done and parts of it are very, very funny and parts of it are very, very difficult. Mm. Um, but it's a really good film. It it sort of opened for a week in a couple of cinemas. Yeah. It, it wasn't hugely successful over here, but it's it's worth seeing if you can get hold of it. I, I don't think it hit the fucking Cotswolds uh, no, I don't think it did. Let's uh, <laughs> try and seek it out. Yeah, that is amazing. Yeah, and that sort of tied in fifth place with a very different film, uh, and that would be Jupiter Ascending. Yeah! Which I fucking love. It's a, And this is when I, I said we were going to come back to how some of the best films ever made are really dumb. Here we go, Jupiter Ascending. Can and I also just point out as well, Jupiter Ascending is my fifth film on my list. Yeah, man. So, yeah, Mila Kunis yeah. is uh, basically Neo, because this film is basically The Matrix, but for girls. Uh, it's the same plot. You've got someone of very ordinary life who dreams of something greater and isn't aware that they're secretly an uh, absolute linchpin part of this whole other world that exists just beyond the surface and is uh, sorry, our cat's going insane. What? Just turned off my computer. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Caden just yeah. turned off Zoe's computer as she was using it. That's a new one for him. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, isn't aware that they're actually a linchpin in this whole other world that is secretly treating, uh, spoilers, by the way, uh, treating the human race as resources to further their own aims and, uh, <laughs> and wakes up into their power and uh, their uh, influence over this world and becomes a vital part of overthrowing. It's, it is the Matrix, but with a girl in the lead. Uh, but also with gothic spaceships that belong in the 40K universe, quite frankly. Oh, gotcha. And- Giant Machinarium worlds that also belong in the 40k universe. Giant Channing Tatum as a half dog, space rollerblading, butt kicking, awesome guy and shirtless man. Angel Werewolf Elf. Uh, Sean Bean as a part B badass. <laughs> called Stinger a Peeny. He's I called know. Stinger B and has one of the greatest lines. I still can't imagine Sean Bean as a fucking bee. I need to watch the film. Well, he has one of the greatest lines ever, which is when all the bees surround Mila Kunis. 
one of the, the beasts around Milakunis. And they're all, and he's all like, ah, they can tell that you're of royal blood, you know. That's why you've never been stung by a bee. And then he just looks and goes, bees don't lie. <laughs> I'm like, it's brilliant. But the, uh, honestly, though, the standout performance in this film is Eddie Redmayne. Can you say standout? <laughs> in the <laughs> sense, mean out of place. In, in the sense that no. when, I left, when I left the cinema, I, I turned to Rowan and I just went, ladies and gentlemen, Academy Award winner Eddie Redmayne. <laughs> right. What I love about Eddie Redmayne is there's something left implied about his character throughout, which is, uh, like, Channing Tatum, as we say, is part dog. Uh, I love dogs. I always love dogs. Um, (laughs) One of the creepiest lines in the film. It's such an unpleasant overtone when you think about it. I know. But he has an authority problem, and it it is referenced that he once savaged the throat of an authority figure. (laughs) <laughs> and has never been forgiven. And throughout the film, Eddie Redmayne wears very little above the waist in some scenes, but always a high collar, even if that's all he's wearing above the waist. And talks in a very strained voice, almost like he's had his throat savaged. It's, it's, but, it's well obfuscated, because when you first see him, he's, like, he's, a, he's an old man, he's, he's aged. Yes. But then he rejuvenates like and becomes young again, uh, but the voice doesn't change. And it's just Eddie Redmayne. In a high collar, still talking like this, mother. Except much more sinisterly. Yes. I, I can't do justice to how sinister his voice is. And um, my favourite bit of trivia about this movie is that Eddie Redmayne says he was channeling his accountant for that role. And I'm like, who the fuck is your accountant? <laughs> Change accountants. <laughs> your accountant has bodies in their floorboards. <laughs> but this film is just stunningly over-the-top space opera, brightly coloured, theatrical action movie. It's, it's unashamedly what it is. It has no interest in trying to pretend to be clever or subtle. It's the Wachowskis doing what the Wachowskis should do, which is going, fuck it, we made brightly coloured nonsense. Here we go! And it's still a fucking fantastic movie. Yeah. Go and watch it, rent it, buy it, whatever. You will not be disappointed. I've ordered like, the gem for Christmas, so I'm going to watch it at some point. Yeah, you, 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 that film cannot disappoint you. Just, it just cannot disappoint you. because even if Unless you, you are lacking in the capacity to experience joy. Or bonus. Or yeah. bonus. Or fear bonus in a lot of cases. <laughs> fear bonus. There is a certain amount of scare arousal in this film. Yeah, like not not in a, like an absolute fear way, but more a kind of squicky. Uh, what? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's it's a what very I did not expect. It's a very odd flair. Well, there's a whole lot of incest overtones. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's not what I, the fear bonus and, is. And and well, I was going to say wow. And tones. Yeah. There's a lot of squick. Yeah. The the incest is subtext, supertext, and text. So there's a lot of what I mean is there's a lot of uh, uncomfortable sexual tension. Mm. <laughs> We are like, where do I where this is going? Oh. <laughs> is this guy uh, Taylor Wren, by the way? Is one of the brothers. Adam Driver. No, I don't think so. Yeah. I'm just overlaying his face onto the sort of uh, the younger brother. It's not. It's not. Yeah. That was someone yeah. else. Yeah, my memory is pretty shoddy, and I'm sort of overlaying his face onto it. Uh, so, number four on my list. What if you got the same number four as I do? It's The Martian. Ooh. Oh dear! We don't have the same number four. No. Oh, what's your number four? My number four is the man from Uncle. Ah, you see, I never saw that. You know what? It might creep up there actually. 
<laughs> you know what? Actually, no. My number four is The Martian. My number three is Man from Uncle. Because our, our lists are not going to be the same because you've already mentioned one of mine. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Yeah. But yes, number four, The Martian, uh, which is it's a pretty good adaptation of the book. And if you can get past the the more glaring of the science holes, there's a lot of good science in there. We've talked about it at length on this show. Yes, <laughs> we have. We have uh, a Martian episode, and I voice so, my opinions there, and I stand by them. Yep, go listen to that um, to hear more. But that is my number four movie. It's a lot of fun. It's also my number four movie. There you go. Uh, number three is Chappie. Ooh. Okay. Okay. I I really like Neil Blomkamp. Yeah. Um, I I haven't seen. I haven't seen Elysium, so I can honestly <gasps> say I haven't seen one of his films that I haven't enjoyed yet. Oh, Elysium's really... I actually really I, enjoyed I, Elysium. I, I quite enjoyed Elysium as well. I prefer I, Elysium to Chappie, I'll, I'll be honest. Really? I sort yeah, of steered yeah. clear of Elysium because Neil Blomkamp has said of it mm. that as a filmmaker he wanted to do a... not oh, dumb, but a blockbuster film once in his career. Yeah. And I like... District 9, I like Chappie, I like um, Joe Berg, I, I like Tetraval even. I like yeah. his more thoughtful stuff that comes from his origins. I like it when he's telling South African stories. Mm. Um, that's the voice that I really enjoy in his work, um, and I'm a bit worried Elysium will not have that for me. I'll, I'll, so this I'll, is the thing. I'll, I'll put it this way. Oh. Only Blomkamp could do a big blockbuster stupid ho- like you know it's not stupid but stupid Hollywood movie mm-hmm. that deals with the themes that deals really sensibly and quite tastefully the themes of immigration class uh, struggle um, and the idea of um, capitalism run wild uh, mm. stripping humanity I'll give it a go then. It's, but, it is, yeah. You should, sorry. I mean, it's um, like in comparison to some of the summer blockbusters we've been talking about on this episode, it's a fucking masterpiece. It, like, it has a message behind it. It does have a message. Um, not as ingrained as uh, the other, uh, Chappie and, um, uh, and District 9. But what I think is his other strength is, my God, that guy knows how to build a world. Oh, like, yeah. Uh, and um, some of the details uh, in Elysium are really fascinating and really cool. There's a really, really decent science fiction world in there. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about seeing the, his work on the Alien universe. Yes, exactly. That's exactly the, 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 the same well, as I'm excited I've, I've, I've not seen a film of his I didn't like, but I've also not seen a film of his where I've come out of the cinema going... <laughs> I go lie down for a bit. Also, that I, actor, that actor who plays oh, uh, um, the, the main guy in District Nine, and he's also the villain in Elysium. And in both parts, he is excellent. And he's is he in Chappie? Uh, I don't know if he's in Chappie. He might be. He's probably got a part. No, he's the, he's the voice. He's the voice he's of Chappie, isn't he? Oh, is he Chappie? I think he is. Yeah, I think he is. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he is. But yeah. I mean, right? I adored Chappie because. I remember very clearly, uh, I'd just gone and seen actually my only honourable mention of the year, Ex Machina. Oh, okay, yeah. Which, which I really enjoy. It's a, it's a fantastic fairy story, but it's a fairy story. Yeah, it's also my honourable list as well. And, and I remember you saying it was, you know, a really good hard sci-fi about AI. Uh, a statement I could not disagree with more strongly. Yeah. Um, because to me, it is, it's the Bluebeard 
fairy story told with a Recently, robot. I'd never, I'd never actually heard of the Bluebeard fairy story. Before. We, we were, we were comparing it to Interstellar as yeah. well, though, which, yeah. you know, is also not yeah. as hard a sci-fi as first. <laughs> it is still great. Though. Did Interstellar come out last year? Yeah, it wasn't. Yes, it did. But Chappie, to me, is a much harder sci-fi. Oh yeah, because it's dealing with purely sci-fi um, concepts. Whether it is militarization, whether it's colonialization, or whether it's rapid development, natural learning AI, which is what Chappie is. It's, it's one of the theories, one of the approaches to general AI is the idea of an AI that learns like we do. So it starts as a child, which is why there is the childlike stage of Chappie. Um, you know, a lot of people compare this to short circuit, but... And there, there are similarities. Obviously. It's more tastefully done in the sense that the Indian character is played by, you know... An Indian. Not a white dude painting <laughs> Yeah. But it's... The thing is, the, the, the themes I took coming out of Chappie were not necessarily about the AI, although that was the core story, and I thought it was done very, very well as someone with a strong interest in AI um, and just robotics in general. Hmm. The story I really enjoyed was the fact that it was the foreigners were all in positions of exploitative colonialization in subtly different ways. Sigourney Weaver, Hugh Jackman, um, oh fuck, I can't remember his name is. Even Dev Patel. Dev Patel, yes, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. They were coming into South Africa because it was somewhere they could make money or explore military robotics with less restriction on them. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, they... They were exploiters. They were colonialists. They were taking up space in South Africa. And, and Chappie just runs away from that and kind of becomes a native. And I sort of love that aspect of it, even if he doesn't fall in with the best crowd. Well, mm, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> he falls in with D'Anford, uh, who were both brilliant in this movie. Just absolute. I mean... There was a lot of scenery chewing going on there. It's not. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say Chappie is perfect, but I think it, it does oh, have some really... No, so do I. I, mean, like, I, I still really enjoyed it. Mm. Um, I think... Uh, and again, the, the, another good thing about it, I think, is... Uh, uh, Stripped back to an even more basic level. I mean, it's... Um, it is, it is the, the time-old tradition of compassion over militaristic aggression, mm. aggressive behaviour. Mm. Like, uh, the, the kind of regimented... Uh, police force against Chappie who's just you know been brought up in a different way it's interesting like that yeah yeah. and he's a bad he's a bad fuck mother he is also fucking awesome at D- <laughs> yeah yeah he's also pretty good at Chappie's that. a bad fuck mother that is it yeah oh man cannot do heists heists are crimes I did love him stealing cars That's yes my favorite oh my film. god that montage and so I also loved him being told why are you steal from daddy I loved him being told that stabbing people wasn't fatal, it just made people go to sleep. There's something yeah. terrifying about a lethal killer robot hurling throwing stars at people going, Sleepy weepy now! Yes. <laughs> but still, I will, I will always feel a little twinge in myself. At, I want to get back in the car. Oh, yeah. Chasing mm. after the car and screaming, I want to get back in the car. Yeah. Oh, god damn. It's a heartstring tugging movie. It really- uh, it's... it's- I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I thought it was a really strong Neil Blomkamp film. And if you liked District 9 for that, it's not a Hollywood movie. It's a movie you wouldn't get from, you know, a Hollywood studio. It's something a bit different. 
Mm. And if you liked that quality of District 9, the fact that it felt like a different kind of storytelling, it felt like it came from a different place, check out Chappie. Because it's, again, it's coming from a different world to Hollywood. And also, if you like that mini film, that was it Tetraval? It, it, it yeah. Calls? If yeah. you like that as well, you're like it's, Chappie it's, for the... It's the movie of Tetraval. It's, it's the movie yeah. behind... Uh, well, I say behind it, after it, but, you know, yeah. yeah. It's what that tech demo essentially grew into. Yeah. God, I remember you showing... Simon, I remember you showed me Tetraval in, like, 2008, 2009? I've been a fan of Blomkamp for a while. Yeah. It's <laughs> fucking cool. I'm glad he's getting the recognition he deserves, and I cannot wait to see what he does with the Alien universe. Yeah. When he's allowed to, fuck's sake. Yeah. Uh, and then my <laughs> number two is Star Wars, which we will talk about at length in a later episode. Yes. Oh, yeah. I'll leave my number one for now because we're going to talk about it. So, because okay. <laughs> I, I think it's the same as yours, isn't it, Jack? Uh, it is, actually, yeah. So let's do your rundown and then let's come together for number okay. one. Uh, I'll do what my honourable mentions. Um, Bridge of Spies. I didn't see it. Spielberg, yeah? Spielberg. Yeah. Spielberg, um, Tom Hanks, Cold War. It sounds like a delightful romp. Yeah. Well, this is the thing is, like, only Spielberg could do a movie about fucking Berlin in the, in the Cold War and make it whimsical. <laughs> what? It's, it's really, really good. Really, really good. But it does have that kind of Spielberg whimsy. There is one scene in it that is a bit... Um, that is, like, people trying to go over the wall and getting machine guns. And it fucking comes out of nowhere. And it really... Side lines, it's like just knocks you straight in an effective way that complements the film, or in a detrimental way. Not in a very effective way. I, I wouldn't have said it was very effective. It, it didn't have like the, the the impact it should have done until you sort of everything's a happy ending at the end. Spoiler: it's a Spielberg movie. Um, oh, I don't know. Well, actually, other than you know that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, until you see, and basically, Tom Hanks saw this horrible machine gunning taking place on the train. And there is a bit towards the end of the film where he is sitting on a train and he's just sort of sitting there smiling. Going, yeah, yeah, I essentially saved the world from nuclear, or, you know, a nuclear holocaust. And he's just sitting there for a while. And it's, it's, a, it's exactly the same shot as when he was on the train in Berlin, when he just before he looked out the window and saw someone being, saw three people get machine guns mm-hmm. on the wall. And he's sitting in exactly the same sort of seat and it's the same sort of camera angle. He's smiling. And it's a bit like the end of, um, I can't remember the name of the film, but he's just sitting there smiling, and then the smile sort of slowly fades. And you go, oh, oh, you go. Maybe it's affected him a little bit. Um, but it's a really, really good film. Really, really enjoyable. It's. I think the best way I described it was like it's a very accessible Cold War spy thriller. Yeah. Okay. Um, if you've never seen like a Cold War movie or a spy movie or anything like that, and you want it, like it's something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a really good way of getting into it. It explains all the sort of details. It's not a. And for an American film, it's not a Americans good, Russians bad. Mm. It's done very, very well because it's all about we've got you know Americans have captured a uh, a British born Russian spy, um, and at the same time send a pilot to. Um, uh, what's it called? Uh, take photos of uh, Russian airfields in a new spy plane, and he crashes. We get shot down, and doesn't take his cyanide pill and doesn't uh, blow up the plane. Not of his own fault. Um, so he's sort of regarded as something of a traitor by the American military. Oh, yeah. So it's like, yeah, the American military are basically just assholes, as are the Russian military, and it's all the obfuscation of trying to get the trade for him, plus some kid who accidentally wanders into into East Berlin and gets the shit kicked out of him by the Stasi. And all this, that, and the other just keeps going back and forth, back and forth, and no one is exactly who they claim they are. But it's all done in a really, really nice, 
understandable way mm. but it's a really good accessible Cold War spy movie and I really recommend people go and see it do you think that there's a particular reason because obviously you know like he's getting on a bit Spielberg mm. but we know that he only comes out of um, you know the house of money that he now lives in occasionally to make a film now is there anything that screams in particular why you reckon he might have chosen this particular I obviously you can't speak for him but I mean, like is there anything that you think it's, not a, it's that, not a story I mean it's not a time period I see very often in terms of Cold War and spy films and all, is it, it's, the, it's, the fifth, it's the early 50s it's the year the war goes up as if the war goes up during the movie that's the, the, the part of like the script then that you okay yeah that's why the guy ends up in East Berlin as in they're literally uh, building the wall he okay. runs into East Berlin spends some time doing some stuff when he comes back the route he was doing has been fucking bricked over oh my god it's literally like that as in that is the film it's taking place during that Oh, that's actually really interesting. Yeah, it's 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 just a really not that I didn't say it was no, no, no. interesting and, before, uh, but. <laughs> and it's it's about it's not about a spy or a military guy. It's about a lawyer and a guy just trying to fucking get yeah. out. Yeah, and it's like, well, it's, it's start the start of the film is him in America trying to, and he's given as the sort of court appointed defender of a Soviet spy, mm. and it's watching as his family is goddamn threatened and have bricks thrown through their window because he's defending a Russian spy. Mm. And then admittedly goes above and beyond the call of duty to try and like get this guy off the hook. Not, not just like found innocent, but like returned to Russia and all making mm. sure he doesn't get the death penalty, all this and the other. He's just generally a good guy. It's like, no, we need to show humanity because like, okay, we've caught a spy of theirs. What's going to happen if we kill him? Yeah. You know, it, like in front of everyone, think of the repercussions here. He's very clever with it, but everyone fucking hates him for it because... Well, it's, it's, it's probably not a fair stretch to say, you know, American-Russian relations at the time were strained. Uh, They've always been great, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Especially now. Yeah. Um, I played Red Alert too. <laughs> Other honorable mentions. <laughs> um, Ex Machina, again, we were meant yeah, to see. Yeah, yeah. Um, honorable mention, Inside Out. Oh, see, I'm gutted. I've not seen Yay. that. Go ahead. I, know, I, that I, watched, I watched it on the plane back from Japan. It's a Disney Pixar movie. I loved it. It's great. That should tell you everything you need to know. I don't, I don't like Disney or Pixar. Okay. Um, but that's because I'm dead inside and I'm a fucking Grinch. Have all of you guys seen it? I haven't yeah. seen it. I've seen it's, it. We own it. So. It's absolutely brilliant film it has some really annoying bits and pieces in it because you know kids film and all that but <laughs> no, but it's like as in but it, as it's a kids film it is, yeah. it is definitely a kids film obviously but it deals with depending on how you look at it it deals with either just the concept of growing up uh-huh. of not cynicism but like you know the, the the sort of slight spark of youth going out of you know, of like you know going into your tweens mm. 11 12 years old becoming starting to grow up and that it's little, giving, little it, naive giving, joy going. It's the giving up of childish things. Yeah. So. And, it's, and it's the whole idea of like giving, giving them up doesn't necessarily mean like forgetting them. It's like it, the, the way it's described is literally all of these memories from the girl's childhood are tinged yellow. They're, they're all joyful memories. And then uh, sad, to explain sadness. Yeah. <laughs> Inside out is basically the idea that you ha- all of your emotions have a personification in your mind. Mm-hmm. You have to do certain things, and everyone has their own role. But the only one they can't figure out is sadness. No one really wants her there. No one likes sadness. And 
when the girl who, when Riley, the girl whose head they're in, starts turning 11, 12, Sadness just sort of gets this weird compulsion to start just touching things. And she keeps changing memories and making them sad. And they don't understand why she's doing it. So they try and kick her out, basically. Um, and it's this idea that all of her memories now suddenly have become sad memories. Hmm. And remembering certain things from her childhood just makes her sad. And she doesn't know why. And it's this idea, then she, then joy and sadness basically end up through an accident getting flushed out of her mind and into like the, the inner workings of her brain and can no longer control her emotions. She no longer can feel joy or sadness. So depending on how you look at it, it's a really good way of looking at growing up and mm. losing the joy of childhood and all that. Or you could quite easily look at it as like the startings of things, uh, looking into things like depression and so yeah. on. Yeah. Because it, it's, you, she is incapable of feeling joy or sadness. There's just nothing mm. she doesn't know how to like and this is kind of blank when she can't understand how to process a certain emotion so she'll just sit by herself yeah and just stare into space or just like go to bed because she can't really process anything and so you could very easily read that as like the beginnings of um, certain traumas and depression yeah um see see though i've not 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 seen the film and I, I really do want to because i've heard nothing but good things yeah i think from that alone i think that that makes that quite an important movie really doesn't oh, definitely. it definitely and also that it addresses that yeah, kind of it thing. has some fucking hilarious moments in it like for example like them going through her imagination land and meeting the imaginary boy the imaginary machine no no the imaginary boyfriend machine <laughs> oh god yeah but like she used to have an imaginary friend that was developed in this machine and now it just it develops imaginary boyfriends and like this, this guy in like a sort of flock of seagulls haircut comes out of this machine, and he's like, <laughs> "I would die for Riley." And and they look up and go, "I've never seen you before." And he looks down and just without missing a beat, he goes, "I live in Canada." <laughs> <laughs> and I, I love that line. Um, and then like later on, seeing everyone, absolutely everyone, has a a set of these emotions living inside their head, but they're all subtly different. Yeah. So like the one inside her dad's head, they all have mustaches, even the girls. <laughs> um, and how mum like, they're all girls. Yeah, um, and I love I love right towards the end, like in the in the credits bit, like you see she bumps into a guy at the hockey game, this boy, and she's like, you know, she sort of walks past, she's like hi, and it's all like you know, first rustlings of love and whatnot, and then it just cuts to the inside of the boy's head, and it's literally just all these fucking red alarm bells going off, all these klaxons, and everyone's screaming, and you've just got fear huddled in the corner, crying, <laughs> back forth, as just a giant warning bell going, girl, girl, girl appears. So a very funny film too. It's it's fucking hilarious at times. So like. Apparently, they're actually using it um, to help with child depression and psychology and stuff now. Oh like, well, there you go. I, and that I would absolutely, absolutely it. fantastic. It's, it's very very well done, um, and every character in it is just fucking gold. Beautiful. Um, and also the idea that there are people wandering around in in your memories. And they fucking love trolling you because they have a particular favorite memory, which is like a jingle for a type of chewing gum. <laughs> yeah, some, sometimes we just send this up to her memory just so she remembers every now and again. Gives us a laugh. <laughs> it's like, why would you do that? Uh, it kills five minutes. <laughs> why would you just get a jingle stuck in her head from like five years ago? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, that explains so much. Oh, very um, cool. Other honorable mentions, Terminator Genesis. Da -dan, dan, dan, dan. I really enjoyed Terminator Genesis. What? Well, really? I've, not seen it. I've never seen a Terminator film I didn't like. I've never seen it, so I can't, I can't actually like contest it. Again, not yeah, brilliant. Really. I've just it. heard. It has a lot of problems, which is why it's not in the top five, but, yep. uh, you know. I've, oh, right. I've, so I've, you, it is a film you have seen. Yeah. And, and, basically and, I, what? and I liked it. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, right, I, like I said, I've not seen a Terminator film I didn't like. I'd also like to point out at this point that I've never seen Terminator 3. Just, just saying. But you've seen Terminator Salvation. Yeah, I loved it. 
Okay. I've also never seen a Terminator film I didn't like. I only saw Terminator and Terminator 2. I would rank... I, 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 I freely admit I'm probably wrong in this, but I would rank Salvation above one. You're wrong. You're wrong. I can say that without seeing Salvation. <laughs> Terminator 1 is perfect. Oh no, it's a really, really, really good film. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Okay. It's this close. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, what else have we got? Honorable mention? Because I liked a lot of films. Uh, oh, the only other one for a smiley face uh, was Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. It's the first Mission Impossible film I've seen. Oh, yeah. Since one back in like 1990. Wow. Or whatever. You know, I heard pretty good things. It was, it was very good. Yeah. I was quite pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. Like, it, I wasn't expecting great things because Tom Cruise and. I, I, I will always say, I have nothing but respect that guy. He's a nutter, but he's a nutter that is so dedicated to making sure that his films look great. He's yeah. more than willing to run himself think, through hell. And he's think, made a lot of good films in his time. Yeah. He has, I and he that, has made a lot of good films And you can't say he's a, like, a bad actor. As Darrow Breen... He's not, he's a great actor. Because I think as Darrow Breen put it, like, at any actor, when you start a film, you start at zero, and you've got to push yourself to like get a higher and higher score. You've got to get, yeah. go, you've got to, get to 100 from mm-hmm. zero. Tom Cruise, we already start him at like minus 50, because he's Tom Cruise. And we go, you're weird. We don't like you. And he's got to get to the same, he's got to still get to 100, he still fucking does it. He still does it. Of he so does. yeah, exactly. And I think that's quite cool. But that's, those are my honorable mentions. Number five, we've already mentioned, um, except I've forgotten it now. Jupiter Ascending. Okay, yeah. Uh, number four, The Martian. Uh, number three, The Man from Uncle. Really, really good film. Yeah, I hear Go that. and watch that. It's, it's done some incredible things and it's like, uh, I just love the, the whole way that the film, that the story of the film sort of developed from, okay, we've got this villain and he's got this sort of femme fatale wife. And as the story kept getting written, they were like, fuck it, she's the villain. He's, he's just like, okay, he's the hanger on husband. He's, he's the head hen- henchman. Mm. She's the big bad. And it just sort of went brilliant from there. She's amazing. She also plays Lady Macduff in the Macbeth movie. Um, and again, it's Cold War. Uh, if you've never seen the series Man from Spectre, um, a Russian agent and an American agent who is actually an American con man and thief who's sort of working for the American government so that he doesn't have to go back to prison. Yeah. Um, have to team up to basically solve crimes on both sides of the Iron Curtain. Um, and also, the, 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 like, the main character, the sort of everyman character, is a uh, German mechanic girl for, who, like, works a chop shop. Uh, and she's also fucking awesome. Everyone in that film is just brilliant. Um, even... Why are names dropping out of my head so Henry much? Henry No, Henry Cavill's always awesome. He is awesome. Henry, Henry Cavill's always awesome. Army Hammer is brilliant in that film oh, as well. Army Hammer's also very good. And, and if, if, like me, you watch a lot of films with shipping goggles... Uh, it's very difficult not to in this film the when, when, they're, when they're arguing about what dress goes with which handbag when they're trying to sort of like uh, dress because the, the, she's a functional mechanic girl but it's like okay we need to she, you're going to accompany me to this dance or whatever it was yeah. and it's like no the Versace does not go with this <laughs> you would need a belt like this and like it does not matter if it matches and it's, it's, <laughs> nice. just, it's really cool really, I, I, really I'm looking forward to that one uh, I forgot what number I got. That was number three. Number two, Chappie. Yep, Chappie's great. Chappie. Yep. We already talked about that. And so, um, number one. Can I talk about one thing? And I don't, I, I, I should have really fact-checked fact this before, but it is kind of linked to number one that we're going to talk about. 
Um, for you guys, anyway. Um, How do you know what number one is, Rob? I, I'm pretty sure that it's heavily influenced by number one. Okay. Um, it's a film, a little film called Turbo Kid. Have any of you guys seen Turbo Kid? I have not even heard of Turbo Kid. Ditto. Turbo Kid is... Uh, do you really... Are you really doing this whole thing about me spoiling number one? Because it's going to make it very difficult to talk about it. Otherwise. Oh, I think everyone already knows what number one is. I mean, I did start this by saying we'll start with the bad ones and build up to Mad Max. Yeah. That oh, was yeah. like how I started the show. So. I forgot about that. Well, basically, guys, I would like you to imagine a world very similar to Mad Max. Um, the year... It's actually set in the future of uh, the mid nineties. The world right. ended. The world ended at mid eighties. Okay. okay, so it's just a desolate wasteland. Okay, post apocalyptic. However, as the reason the world ended is not entirely specified, but we know it was something to do about fuel, right? And now in this world, nineteen ninety seven, I think it is, there is no fuel. So the only way for people to get around, and imagine, I would want you to still imagine, like, aggressive gangs of raiders and, and people, like, and, and cannibals and nutters and people and scavengers, that kind of thing. Um, but just imagine that without the cars, what do they replace the cars with? Horses. Bicycles. <laughs> um, Mad Max. Bicycles. It's amazing. I, I, I swear to God, it is the most beautiful, wonderful indie film about uh, a kid who um, lives in like a little ramshacked kind of like little hut thing. And he spends his days riding around on his BMX, collecting old comic books of uh, his uh, his favorite uh, comic, Turbo Man, uh, and just going around. Is that the one that Arnie was trying to get for Christmas? It, it looks kind of a bit <laughs> like in a way, like with the I'm Googling skin. this now and I'm terrified because I have discovered it's the amazing. female lead, uh, Lawrence LeBeouf, playing a character called Apple, who has yes. the most terrifying staring eyes yes. and a BMX with a unicorn figurehead. Yes. <laughs> she yes. scares me it's already. So good. Simon, you will love this film. The, the first time she's introduced that character, this guy is just minding his own business. Right. And he's, he actually is just, he finds this brand new comic book and he's like, oh, I found like another edition of the, of this comic book. Like he collects things to survive and stuff, food and things, but as a treat every now and then he'll run across one of these comic books. So he sets himself some time out and it's a very quiet film because he's on, it, on his own. So he doesn't really have anyone to talk to. And he's sat on this swing, right? And all of a sudden, like, he's just sat down to read this comic book. And this terrifying, wide-eyed girl is just staring at him. And he's like, hello. And he's like, whoa. Like, where did you come from? And this is where the film kicks off. And she says, she says she's looking for a new friend. And he's like, I don't really want to be your friend. And he's like, oh, my, oh, my last friend hasn't moved for some time. The camera pans and there's basically this body on the floor. Like, is it, yeah, he hasn't moved for some time. I think he's quite ill. And he's like, oh my God, what has happened? Like, this girl is nuts. And um, she basically become unlikely friends. Um, and uh, Michael Ironside is the villain. Yes. He's called Zeus. He has a helmet that looks like the, um, the Statue of David, almost. 
Like, you know, uh, in, in Gladiator, the weird kind of, oh, like, yeah. molded, yeah. like, helmets like that. Um, and he has an eye patch as well. Because um, it's fucking Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he, like, runs, like, a gladiatorial arena. But, like I say, it's all based around this apocalyptic world with bicycles. This film looks fucking insane. Please watch it and let me know what you think. I, I promise you will all love it. It is it's very funny and it is very touching. It's like if, um, let me think. Yeah, Stand By Me meets Mad <laughs> Max. What? It's about friendship uh, and, and loyalty, but it is also about fucking grisly post-apocalyptic kind of um, gladiator arenas uh, and gang wars and, and all on bikes of different uh, of variations. There are so many different bikes in this film. So Max By Me. Yeah, Max By Me. <laughs> Anyway, sorry, we should probably talk about uh, the road and how it bears fury. Are we, are we ready to um, play his story? Uh, well, Irish, have you got any you want to bring up before we do the inevitable? Uh, no, I think they're all mentioned. Oh, wow. Because so, I was going to say inside it out, but you, you got there. Yeah, dude. Uh, no, I think that's it. Wow, we're a bunch of like. See, it makes. I feel like I, I like basically all of it. I, I'd seen quite a lot of the ones that have been on your list, and I, I think I've seen a lot of films that haven't actually technically come out in 2015. I went, I went into the world's back catalogue, as it were. Oh, yeah, I've seen, I've seen a whole bunch of films this year, just not, yeah. not at the cinema. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So yeah, let's. Uh, Sorry, I'm, I'm still. Totally falling down the rabbit hole of googling more information about Turbo Kid. You will honestly love it. I was going to say, should we, should we, we can edit this this part out that I'm speaking about now, Simon. Um, I'm not sure we can. Oh, okay. Never mind. Oh, Jensen's into the woods. Oh, Let's tell us what. Um, but I mean, if we start talking about uh, Mad Max, should the sound not just suddenly like go? It's like like cutting out, and then we lose the rest of the episode. <laughs> it sort of did a little bit, actually. So that's cool. Yeah. What? Yeah, just now when you started saying that, it sort of did. Oh, sweet. Um, Let's talk about Mad Max. <laughs> yes, uh, number one film of the year is the film that you remember we did that massive long episode four about hours. it we did. the best episode we've ever done the You're, best okay. thing we've ever I would say ever recorded except we didn't <laughs> we if did. you were listening to that one live <laughs> you know what we think then you have uh, an experience that no one else can ever have ever. yeah you're one of two people uh, so yeah we, we did a whole episode on how good this movie is and it we will do it again we will so i think we're approaching that point where we need to sit down with the blu-ray and so we'll just do get another episode point. yes i think a commentary track is the best thing Ooh. at this point because at least we then limit ourselves to the length of the film which when yep. we just start talking about it we do not limit ourselves in that way no indeed it's a shitty commentary <laughs> track when we're just literally quoting along with it and occasionally going Woo! And lifting our hands in the air to the fucking V8 symbol mm. <laughs> <laughs> yes that is the the upside of doing a commentary track is it does give us a natural confine in which to work the downside is it will just be us enjoying the film at you 
Yeah. But, you know, well, maybe people will like that. I mean, people like it when we watch films, right? Yeah, but no, this is why, this is why we make sure we all watch it quite recently beforehand so then we can tolerate watching it without the sound so we then are forced to discuss it. Well, not without the sound. Yeah, no, without the sound. When you do the commentary track, you will not have the sound. Oh. You have to do it without the sound. Oh, we can watch it with, like, subtitles on or something, I guess. Yeah, you put subtitles yeah. on. But you make sure that you watch the film before we do the commentary track. Yeah, got it. Okay. Subtitles, which are mostly... You won't be missing a lot of dialogue, let's be honest. Max says something. It is interesting, though, that the sound in that film is very visceral and very much uh, an integral part of that Mm. film. The the sound of those engines, my God. And the music. And the music. The music's incredible. Oh, Mm. by the way, we really like Mad Max Fury Road. I don't know if that was... We really like Mad Max Fury Road. It is about as close to a perfect movie. Movie. It's about as close to a perfect movie as you can get. I did realise something, actually, the other day. Because... uh, I, I've probably mentioned it to all of you guys before, but because we lost it, I don't think I've mentioned it on the show. George Miller envisions a version of the film that is desaturated, fully black and white, and yes. without dialogue. Uh, yeah. And only the soundtrack. Now, I love the sound of, uh, of that presentation of it, because the soundtrack is, as you say, so visceral. It gives the vehicles the leading roles. It gives them yep. the voice and it gives them the responsibility of telling the story, which is really interesting. But the thing that occurred to me is it means that there is one character in the film who still has their voice and it's the Doof Warrior. Yeah. <laughs> the, the character that has no dialogue is suddenly the only one who gets to tell their story in the silent version. Huh. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh rum, god. Rum, rum, rum. What a fucking oh my god. Yeah. What can we say about Fury Road to sum up before the end of the episode uh, and keeping it brief? It's it's If you've not biggest, seen it, go watch it. It's huge. It's beautiful. It's cinematic gold. It's violent. It's well choreographed mm. single it's almost a single action sequence from start to finish it's a it's Most a film not. that never gives you a moment to rest even it's, when you think you just might be able to and then yeah. suddenly someone will say something like but if you came from the west you passed through it place with the crows <laughs> and it is it's it's from that school of uh, again, explaining everything like it's Star Wars, but you start the film and you're, you're just dropped in. Nothing's explained to you. You don't know what they mean by that sentence you just came out yeah. with then. But I think the thing that I like about Mad Max the most, and this is in no way a derogatory term at all, when I say it, is that it is simple. It is so, you know, back to basics filmmaking. You know exactly what everyone in that film Everyone's wants. motivation is incredibly clear. Um, and Even there the are ones that are like deliberately film. obscured from the audience. Uh, you know, we're not told. We're just yeah, exactly. shown. But Show it, but don't tell. And I love that, like the he- quote unquote the hero. Because I mean, it's basically Fury Road. Imperator Furiosa is, is the hero. Yes. But, oh God, yes. Based on the fact that it's called Mad Max, we'll, 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 for the sake of argument, say Max is you know the main character. Well, Mad well, Max, he's, he's like the titular the character, character, isn't he? Yeah, he's the narrator. Yeah, he. Right? Yeah. But his motivation is. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. I want to go somewhere else. 
Well, and Furiosa's motivation is largely, I don't want to be here, and I don't want them to be here either. But the difference is that she has a place she does want to be. <laughs> well, just she has an idea of a place she wants to be. Yeah. <laughs> see, I was, I was convinced because I, uh, I was quite late to seeing Fury Road. Did I go and see it with you? Yeah, the cinema. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, beforehand, because I didn't, for some reason, I, it took me a while to get around to seeing it, and I was really frustrated by this, so I decided to watch the other Mad Max films in a build-up to it. I was convinced they were going to that sort of forest haven that is shown at the end of... Um, um, Mad Max 1? Uh, no, um, Thunderdome, Beyond Thunderdome. I've not seen it. Oh, fuck, yeah, there's, a, there's an oasis the there. That's where I thought that they were taking it to, and I was like, oh my god, no. I've only seen the first two. I'm really glad it was more like uh, more like the second film than the first. Not that I don't dislike the first. No, but you're right I in saying that. The, I don't. Out of those three, yeah. Road Warrior is Road Warrior. the superior film. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, Road Warrior yeah. is the film people think of when they think of Mad Max. Road Warrior is the film that Fallout uh, is Wasteland. so closely tied to. Road Warrior is the movie that was so potent in and of itself that it was released as the Road Warrior. Yeah, yeah. It, it was so disconnected from Mad Max. Mad Max is a fascinating look at that sort of early dystopian Australian filmmaking. Yeah. And, and it's a good film, it but is. the Road Warrior is an icon. Yeah. And, oh, God, it's good. Mm-hmm. But like the best part, we can all agree the best part of Road Warrior is the fucking chase. Yeah. Now imagine a two-hour chase. Yeah, they like took the best bit of Road Warrior, and yeah, yeah, and then intersperse it with like moments of 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 breathing space that are still in themselves, dark action, uh, in um, incredible characterization of characters whose like entire bits of dialogue tend to be <clears throat> like yeah. It's it, oh my god! It's so good, it's and so in good. so few actions and so few words, it manages to give you a real sense of individual character from each of the wives as well. Yeah, yeah. and they even, feel very distinct and very individual. Even with characters whose like a lot of characters' lines are essentially complete non sequiturs, they're just so many people talk in that weird Mad Max way where it sounds like they're quoting something but they're not yeah they just say so. I can't even think of an example so but they just say it offhand it's, it's when it, like when uh, the, the bullet farm is chasing them oh god and you can hear the gunshots and explosions going off and you have it's not Dag it's or Splendid it's, it's the girl with the white hair I can't remember what her name is what is it who keeps saying Schlanger um, but it's her like staring off into the middle distance and saying, does anyone else hear those explosions encroaching gunfire? Yeah. Like, well, yeah, everyone does. Why is she saying It sounds like she's quoting something. Because it's very erudite, this sudden yeah. line. And it's like, why did she say that? But I and think, then nothing's made of it. I'm like, it's so weird. I love it. It's, I like to think it's the, the, only, the only way that they, they, they cling on to language in this film is just from examples they've heard before, from perhaps. storytellers. Yeah, from that. storytellers. It being handed down, like, um, like, like the way that we structure sentences have literally become degraded over time. Like, because civilization is collapsing. It's there's no real way of explaining, you know, how good that film is. Oh, you really, you have to perceive it for yourself. Yeah, to it's, it's incredible. incredible. It's my goodness me. Glory to the one that is Miller. George Miller. 
George Miller, not Frank Miller, not Frank Miller. <laughs> and welcome back to the Mad Max world. Oh yes, yeah. Well, I cannot wait for Wasteland. Is that no called? Um, yeah, that's the title has been announced. The next yeah. one is Mad Max: The Wasteland. I really hope. I mean, admittedly, if it's called The Wasteland, it's not going to be what I think it is. But I really hope we get to at some point see Mad Max's Central Australia. Yeah, the the, the the jungle. I don't know what it will be like in Mad Max world, but essentially the central Central Australia where no one goes. Right, you just don't want to go there because isn't that the outback? You'll get lost on you'll get lost on a fucking dirt road in the middle of the fucking forest and just die. Um, and also see, I, well, are I, there forests in Mad Max world? Well, this is what I'm wondering. Yeah, um, actually, no. Of course, there is. There's that oasis in Thunderdome that you get. <laughs> I'd also like to see. So I'd like to see at least one Aboriginal character in Mad Max. My one gripe in Mad Max, my one single gripe in in Fury Road. But they are in Australia. Let's be realistic. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, it's, that's the only gripe is that there's no, not very much in the way of racial representation. Yeah, yeah it's pretty white. Yeah, mm. that is a problem, and that has always been a problem with Mad Max, admittedly. Yes, um, but I think I'd like to. I would. That's what I would want to see from the next film is is a look at uh, Aboriginal culture in in post apocalyptia and yeah, because just more because surviving is just kind of Aboriginal culture in, in Australia, like being able to do it really fucking well. Like uh, they, you know, they were basically able for like tens of thousands of years able to sort of completely quell forest fires with technological means that were completely lost when the white man turned up. Mm-hmm. So it'll be really interesting to see the sort of potentially higher um, functional technology level in terms of what's useful. Um, man, I really want to look forward, I'd look forward to seeing that. I'm completely mutant wishlisting for Wasteland. I, that's the thing, like, if, if you say to me, right, you're in charge of thinking up what's going to happen in the next Mad Max film, I wouldn't be able to tell you, but like, I don't fucking know. Well, his, you say that to me, and I go, okay, Rob, we're going to go into a field, we're going to do a shitload of peyote. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to write down <laughs> Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. In fact, that's probably where I would go. I would just try and make it as weird as hell, because I love how weird yeah, that Just drive into the Utah desert to do a shitload of drugs and then just write down what our experience is. And we'll either come up with a sequel to Mad Max or a sequel to Fear and Loathing, but either way, onto a winner. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Sadly, Furiosa's not going to be in the wasteland, obviously. Uh, 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 I don't um, think it's getting her own film. Well, she, she, we'll it, see. It's called Fury Road. That's true. Um, uh, we'll see if she gets another film, because Charlize Theron has talked about reprising the role of Furiosa. The problem is that she's, storyline-wise, locked in. Yeah, in, I am uh, fine with her just being in that film, though, because it is perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. I mean, there is room for a prequel there, and there's oh, room to yeah. do a prequel better than the comics did. Um, they didn't do them well. Oh, okay. It, it kind of guts the character. Do not read the Furiosa comic. Ah, um, okay. Th- there is room for a sequel, because her ending is a beginning. Yeah. So there is room for a sequel, but I would rather see the prequel. But yeah. to be honest, uh, Shelley's Theron has been very clear that all the stars would have to align for her to reprise the character. Yeah. Because the first film was George Miller bringing his, let's, let's call it what it is, his labour of love. And uh, what labour it was. <laughs> yes. To the screen. Uh, unfettered and unhindered. Funded, but unfettered by the studio. He really got a lot of freedom. But it's now a franchise. That movie did so well that 
studio interference, real possibility in the future. Mm. And she has specifically said she'll only come back if she trusts the process. Yeah. Uh, because it, I can imagine she's quite attached to the Furiosa character right now. I That's would be. And I can imagine she would look at a company like Warner Brothers and go, yeah, you could fuck that up. You could fuck that up hard. You could do it well. Do you reckon they'll get the guy who plays Shumungus in to play the next villain? I hope so. Because they got Toe Cutter in to be uh, Immortan Joe. Yeah. And man, was he cool. Like, so horrible, cool. horrible monster. Like, but man, was but he, he played a cool it well. villain. Better than Toe Cutter. Eh? Hmm? I said better than Toe Cutter. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. By, by Miles. Way more threatening. Mm-hmm. On a grander scale. I guess Toe Cutter is threatening on a smaller scale. I'm very, scale. I'm very fond of the, the final show. Actually, to think about it, the final part of both Miles 1 and 2 is the eyeballs and the head-on collision. <laughs> I love that they have two head-on collisions in two consecutive films to finish them. It's amazing. I, 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 in terms of their threateningness as villains... I would not want to be within arm's reach of either of them. I would That's be within arm's reach true. of Toker, Humongous, uh, Immortan Joe, I don't know who the villain is. Is it Tina Turner? Yeah, I was going to say, but Simon, I, I, this is, un- oh my god, so much gold in the Mad Max episode. As the, uh, Humongous is in, in um, uh, Road Warrior, right? Yeah. yeah. He's the guy with the hockey mask. And, Lord uh, Humongous. Simon, Simon we, we, told we us girl. a theory that is basically it's, it. He's the cop from the first film who gets yes. um, set on fire. Horrendously yes. burned. Which, mm, I don't know, well, when I went back and rewatched, it, I had that in mind, and then there's a, there's a scene where like, he opens up his trunk of family heirlooms, and it's a whole bunch of, like, Nazi tech. It's a whole bunch of, like, Nazi medals and stuff. So Maybe you're wasn't. telling me there are no, well, no, 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 no possibility. No. <laughs> it is still a possibility, but like, it just seemed to be hinting at a different story, is all yeah. I meant. I mean, I mean, it does. I'm not saying it's a theory I commit to. I'm saying it's yeah, a fan it's theory flawed. that exists. But it's a good theory. It would entirely be a complete swerve, and he just likes to happen. He just happens to like collecting it since he got horribly burned and whatnot. Mm. Or maybe he enjoyed collecting it beforehand. I'm not saying anything this is about police well, attracting right wing people, but oh, there is that. Yeah, um, like you know, Mel Gibson. Um, <laughs> Mel well, Gibson well, isn't yeah. a police officer. He was hanging. Well, no, but in Mad Max, and he was hanging around Mel Gibson. Yep, that is true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Humongous is fucking scary, but Norton Joe is just this kind of, you know, Humongous had a band of dudes. Immortan Joe has an empire. He has a, a city under his control mm. and an army, not a gang, and a fucking army. And a penchant for wasting water. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do not become a, you know, was it? Uh, do not become a dick into the water. Mm. It will hold to you and you will resent its absence. <laughs> it's absence. Oh my god. Uh, yeah. Uh, so the villains great. The heroes are great. The side characters are great. Um, and by side characters, we include every car and truck in that film. Buzzards. Oh my god. Yeah. They are characters in the and of Warwick. themselves. The Warwick is like side character, main character, and set. The most impressive, moving, functional set. Ever created. Yeah. It's just fucking phenomenal. And mm. yeah. So I don't much- know. I kind of. I love the war rig, don't get me wrong. It's, it's iconic. It's almost as iconic, possibly as iconic as the last of the V8s. Oh, yeah. You know, it will live in memory. But I think the most impressive moving set in that film is the Doof Wagon. Because that is a oh, yeah. working concert on wheels. The drums fucking love the drums the fire. 
Yeah, that speaker true. stack works. Those drums are there. That guitar is being played by a man in a onesie dangling from bungee ropes and is shooting fire. That thing is outstanding. No, yeah. well, not no, no, sorry, not no CGI, but like so many practical effects in a film which just screamed, we need CGI or someone's going to get fucking killed. To the point that there are stunts in that movie that are done practically that George Miller told the stunt team, don't do that practically, you'll kill someone. The polecats. And they went off the polecats and oh. they went off and oh. said, no, I reckon we can do this. And that, then that, did it and then showed shot. them to George and were like, see, we did it. Well, when the, one of them jumps into there and he's holding two of them. No, no, it's the shot that completely took my breath away. It's, it's the hazy, like the heat haze. It's the existence of the polecats at all. The yeah. polecats, for reference, are the trucks with the really long levers on them, basically, that are used to drop people to the side and lift people out of things. And there's people so, riding so on the top of them. That. The big swingy sticks. Yeah, the big swingy sticks. And it was the shot of the trucks, the, 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 the war band driving forwards with the sunset behind them, the heat haze, and you just see the, the, the polecats bouncing sort of back and forth, swaying on these things in the heat haze, and it all looks really weird. Yeah. That was the, the, the shot that just took my breath away and went, fuck, this is beautiful and terrifying and so well done, so well done. It was that and the sandstorm when, you, when the camera just will not stop panning out to show you the scale <laughs> of the sandstorm. It's like, no, it's still bigger than this. He's definitely got his eye of the uh, eye for an image, mm. as they mm. say. Like, yeah. wow! Like, uh, the, you, you could you could basically have a picture of any frame of that film and happily put it on a wall. Yeah, you could. <laughs> like, you, could you could make an epic, just like you, you could make an epic painting of any still image from that film, and it would just be iconic and amazing. I want Mad Max Fury Road bed covers. I want Mad Max Fury Road pajamas. <laughs> yes, and slippers. <laughs> the and images like, that are really iconic, the ones that really stick with me. If if I think Fury Road, the first thing that comes to mind is actually the hugely distant aerial shots where the whole war band and the rig and everything are just specks with these plumes of coloured signal flare smoke in oh, yeah. with explosions on top of the columns. In this vast, empty landscape, it's mm. the scale of the place. It's, uh, those are the images that first come to mind. And then just screaming, roaring tires, slamming into each other, and just noise, visual noise and noise. Yeah. Oh, man. Need to watch that again now. Yeah. Which is how <sighs> it goes. It will cut from those distant, silent long shots to the incredibly up close violence and fury uh, and it's the wheels and shit like that yeah it's it's a stunningly put together film and the fact that there was no script there was a storyboard it tells you you know when we say he has an eye for a, an image mm. that's what this film is image after image it was visual from the start he wanted to show you something and then yeah we'll put some words in there to help it along yeah. And, and also it, it, it spilled over into the real world. I just realized I'm looking at it over there is that a, a Morton Joe is also the, the, uh, the, uh, oh, fucking what's the word? Oh, I'm losing all my words Mascot. today. Mascot. Yeah, that'll do. The inspiration for my, uh, my Slaneshi Chaos Lord. Oh, nice. So, uh, he's got the, the mask and everything and the hair. I can see that working. Yeah. 
So it was like, you know, well, that's a good look. That's a good look to show Batman is a fucking monster and has one of the best uh, villain voices, but also deaths. You know? Oh yeah! What a great death that is. It's pretty, pretty great. Fucking awesome though. (laughs) Anyone, anyone who dies in the film does not go out ingloriously. No, they all die historic on the Fury Road, Mm -hmm. and they will all be witnessed. They will witness. They will all. They will all ride eternal, shiny, and chrome. Twenty fifteen was a good year for movies. <laughs> was a good year for movies. Fucking awesome! That was a good year for movie. <laughs> now next week um, we talk about twenty sixteen. Oh, are we? Well, we could. It are depends, not- really. If I had just seen Star Wars, I think Rob might explode if we don't do an episode. <laughs> I know that's what's so funny about it. <sighs> we need to return to the galaxy. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> a galaxy a long time ago in a far, galaxy far, far away. <laughs> the galaxy in a galaxy. Yeah, the galaxy in the galaxy. Yeah, a long you're time not the best ambassador for the franchise right now. Mm. But um, yes. Yeah. We, I, I think we need to a- address it. It's the elephant in the room. But I promise. <laughs> Wait, you mean uh, Max Rebo? <laughs> He's great. He's an elephant in the room. He is. He is in rooms. And Sarax. Did he go in the Sarlacc? Nah. No. No, he was on the barge, but it exploded. He got out. Oh, okay. How? He genuinely did get out. Is this a comic? Uh, story? stories, yeah. yeah. So, so no longer canon. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll be talking about the new canon. Robot Chicken did a great version of that. Oh, he yes. He did. Was wandering across the desert. But yes, Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars. Star Wars. Episode. And I have so much that I need to just Bill about this film. Same here. I know. But we're going to do it in a really respectful way. I have a feeling that basically <laughs> I'm going to introduce the episode, state yeah. the topic, set you off, I'll go and make a cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> and whichever one of us survives. But the thing is, I've not actually heard, I don't really, I've not, I'd be interested to to hear your opinion as well, Simon, and I'm sure that that we, you know, I promise I won't dominate. Simon's voice has been used to me, and a lot of them are incredibly valid. I don't disagree with with them 100%, but a lot of the stuff I do, I do agree with, so. But one, one little cliffhanger I will leave it on is that the first time that you saw Fury Road, Mm -hmm. You weren't a fan. I wasn't a fan, actually. Yeah, the first time I saw Fury Road. Second time, I loved it. So, third time, I'd... by the time we watch the next episode, me and Jack will have seen Star Wars for a second yeah. time. So we'll see if that changed, and we'll see if I can brainwash him within that time. And I've seen it a uh, second time. So, Irish, your job is before we record, you need to see The Force Awakens twice. <laughs> He's not joking, Irish. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> I'll get to see it once. What are we even paying you for? Paying? You get paid? Rob, you're supposed to give him... Oh, shit. Um, um, I knew you should never make Rob the fucking payroll off. You will accept that we pay you. He can't see you moving your hand. Fuck! He can't find <laughs> it. You were going to get paid, but I have altered the arrangement. <laughs> Pray, I don't know how to sell it. That's good. Mm. Or you, or alternatively, we could say something about Republic credits being no good. We we could, but let's I mean, not. The opportunity to quote episode one around. <sighs> and ultimately, the thing I want to say about the Force Awakens, right here and right now, is that love it or hate it, and people have done both. 
I will always be thankful for this film because it gave us the emo Kylo Ren Twitter feed. <laughs> and if you haven't seen that, please explore it. It's so good. It is great. It General is Hux listens to too much Wagner. <laughs> he totally does. <laughs> great. So until next time, you have been listening to World One Stage One. I have been Simon. I was Jack through the entirety of 2015. I was Rob through half of 2015. For the other half, I was called Gregory Bishop. There was also that brief moment when you were Rack. There was, there's also that too. And I have been Irish. <laughs> How do you keep doing this? You keep doing making us crack just by saying who you are. <laughs> oh. I don't know. Goodbye. We'll see, we'll see you next year. Goodbye. See you next year, guys. Bye. These, these won't be out until next year. So oh, you've just implied sake. that we'll only do two episodes in 2016. No, 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 no. Guys. No, 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 no. no. We. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We, stop. Don't no, start the episode. We. We. Us. Yeah. Right here, right now. Yeah. You, you, us four, right? Yeah. We'll not see the viewers until 2016 because we're not recording it until 2016. So. Yeah. Oh, Jack. That was rude. Snap. Gone. <laughs>